0: Get it going. It's time to get up. Wilson wants
1: another touchdown pass. Shakes a tackler and he's got it in the end zone.
0: These guys are here to break it all down. It's not just them. You know, it was Washington, the football team. It was the Edmonton football team. All of these things have happened in 2020. Uh, Some
1: ugly truths were put in front of folks uh, uh, about race
0: let's have a little fun and make you a winner i couldn't care less about the team struggling this is the starting lineup with james Sobolski and perry solkowski
2: happy monday morning everybody we'll turn it into a good week won't we as the countdown continues december 14th 11 days to go Christmas, Perry Solkowski and Bick Nazar joining us this morning as James enjoys a week up, Bitt, right, bright and early, but I'm telling you, you are game ready. It's like changing your clock and saying, "Hey, you don't get that seven o'clock start. You're playing that morning game. You're playing out east, my friend." And you, sound I'm getting there. national
1: You're coverage on a Saturday morning. That's what it is, right? You, you play the early game on NBC or whatever. That's that's how I'm treating this.
2: You are the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, they were good for the most part when they would go out east, and then they're fine. Yeah, I'm thinking of this, as, and we'll get into it uh, a whole lot today, obviously on Monday, uh, as we talk about football. But as I'm watching that uh, that football game yesterday, I'm reminded that when I grew up in Edmonton, there was a, a sports organization called the Jets of just a bunch of little kids, and they had the coolest team jackets. That's, that's about what the Jets are right now. They're like a little kids' team.
1: Oh, so you're talking about West Side Story, the Jets and the Sharks. You guys had they're not other that Jackson good. Story? I'm not going to give
2: them credit, those guys were on Broadway.
1: I, these, <laughs> these Jets don't deserve to be there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Jets are uh hilariously awful, like shockingly bad, and, you know. Because I, I do this tweet every weekend, Perry, where it's like because the Seahawks just play in close games week in, week out. I, I put out this tweet every week, and it's like every Seahawks game is different, every Seahawks game is the same. They 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 all resemble the same philosophy of play close games. Russell Wilson plays a hero, and there was another Sunday dramatic win. Uh, Yesterday at, uh, what, seven minutes into the game? It's like, all right, I don't have to tweet this out this week because they're clearly going to win this one.
2: Well, and I'm waiting for it, and we'll get into it too, because there's another team that kind of coasts and then lets the opponent come up and and backdoor cover and take money away from people and that's the Kansas City Chiefs who just don't seem interested to play 60 minutes of football because they're good enough to win. But yeah, it's you know, it's got to be fun for a pro athlete like the Seahawks had yesterday to go, "Hey, yeah, we're uh, we're not even going to play the fourth quarter. We're going to watch these guys we've never heard of." Doesn't happen often, but my goodness. You know what it brings up to debate? And I've had it before. Be curious, you are a football fanatic where it sits. I know Pro athletes have told me, Perry, not in a life's chance would it happen. But when I'm watching how bad the Jets are, I go, honestly, could Alabama not beat them? Could the Net next, could the best college football team not beat a team that inept in the NFL?
1: Not a chance. That's like saying you know? like a, a major junior team could beat uh, the last team in the NHL.
2: Yes, you're right, because I had several pro players go, are you crazy? And I go, no, but they look so good on a Saturday. Bama. they've got it all. They go, no. The step up from, from college football to what the NFL is. Yeah, there's no chance. But, man, it, it makes you wonder when they're that bad and, and that certainly they were that poor uh, we're going to get into it a little bit Colby Armstrong is going to join us uh, in a couple of minutes here we'll just talk what's going on with the the NHL this is Bick this is a massive week you do the calendar you look at it and we just heard Chris Wall say hey Joe Thornton's on his way back from Switzerland uh, the majority of the Canucks have they're still out and about in their home and if their home is overseas they're over there uh, if their home is in the states they're there Bick This week they've got to jump on a plane, else we're not going to be looking at a training camp that starts. Considering the situation here in BC, where you got to quarantine for two weeks, there's no freebie for the Vancouver Canucks.
1: It is a massive week for the NHL. uh, Just because you're right, if your calendar watching, it's nice to say it's like, oh, you know, January 13th, they'll just start up and I'll turn on my TV and hockey will be played. Okay, but look at the the steps you have to get to towards then there's the quarantine period and all that sort of stuff and training camp if you want to do a january 1 training camp or early that first week of january this is the week people got to get back and by basically thursday that starts off the two-week uh quarantine period that you would say if you want to spend 14 days you know be ready for january first this is the week you got to start returning and it's it's you know, Davos makes their announcement with Joe Thornton. I imagine we're going to hear a bunch this week about players uh, coming, not just to Vancouver, but in, for Canadian teams, they're probably going to come back this week.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, last week was all right. We've, we've moved the money issue. We've moved it aside. We'll deal with it. But I do think there's still a lot of uh, little details that have to be ironed up before. I was thinking back before in the springtime, and this is so different. In the springtime, we didn't know is anything coming around the corner? We know the NHL is going to play hockey, but I, I was thinking to BX it came on this show in the spring, and we kind of think it was all there, and BX told James, like, hey, guys, you know what? Tell you, pump the brakes, man. I've talked to some players. There's some big issues to go. We're not at the pump the brakes stage at all, but we are at a lot of uh, still some ironing out to have done. You know, what will happen if a tear, uh, the player test and I'm, I'm not going to be shocked if they try and hammer this out And the date might have to be moved a couple of days. They want that Wednesday. They want that January 13th, which is great. And I think they will get there. But who's to say that, you know, the players just go, we don't have enough answers here right now. We're going to have to pull this back. It might not be on that Wednesday. We might have to go on that Saturday. I'm not completely convinced that January 13th is, is etched in stone. They're playing, and they're playing probably still in January. But, boy, there's a lot of stuff they still have to get done in the next four days, like you say, if people are jumping on planes
1: my assumption was always going to be late January, early February. And I I think that's just the best case scenario, January 13th. And you, Mm -hmm. you build your models and you work towards that. And everyone's so efficient at at getting the job done. And you hope there's open lines of communications between the PA and the league in itself. And they solve it for 13th. But I wouldn't be surprised if it gets moved, you know, five days and you're looking at starting on the Monday, uh, the 18th or something like that. And, you're right. The, the COVID issues, you know, we've we spent so much time talking about the finances, but the COVID issues are going mm-hmm. to be interesting as we get closer and closer to the date. If players look at it and say, you know what, I'm, like, I'm not necessarily comfortable. I'm, I'm curious if we would see opt-outs in this type of scenario.
2: It's funny that really that hasn't been talked about. I, um, right, because
1: like, it, it, it's not as if, as if anything's changed. No, well, it's worse. It's, it's worse. You're not playing in a bubble anymore.
2: Yeah, it, it's worse. I, you certainly haven't heard any player talk about it. I wasn't surprised when we had our handful in the bubble, and that just sounded dramatic because I think we have more knowledge. There was no talk of a vaccine in the summertime, so you could see some players stepping away. But really, if you step away, you go, hey, like this situation is worse when when we started up in the summertime, and now you're not going to be in that secured bubble. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, we saw it in the NFL. Some guys just say that's, you know, that's that's too much for me. Maybe we do, and I, and maybe you don't want to be that player to bring it up. But certainly, yeah, you can figure the hockey stuff out. But the health side of it, it might and and nothing like the NHLP and the league is is dragging their feet. But they just may not be able to figure out all those answers as to okay, so what happens when they do land in California to play? Oh, this will be the situation. So I'm I'm with you. I don't think dragging their feet's going to be the situation, but it just might be. Your timetable, it's just not realistic if you can't get those answers to the players because the first thing that Gary Bittman and anybody has said, well, the most important thing is the player's safety. I'm going to buy that. It's really about the money. But for the NHLPA and for the guys leaving their families, going to go, OK, well, what's my safety going to be? What do we have it all placed out? And I think there's a lot of things that got to be ironed out. So we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but we'll talk to Natalia J, our Monday morning quarterback at uh, 7 o'clock. Another week goes by, another weekend goes by, and we lose someone else. We're going to go to Colorado. Uh, Adrian Dater will talk to us because Pierre Lacroix, the the architect of you you can't call them a dynasty, but boy, up close and personal, we saw how good that Colorado team was, A, because that's when the Canucks had the West Coast Express going, and B, because Bernard B. Joe was the guy leading, and the architect, Pierre Lacroix, passed away over the weekend.
1: Yeah, uh, dynasty is interesting because, you know, they, they did get their two championships, but they just had such staying power in that Western Conference for so long, right? All those conference finals with Detroit mm-hmm. and uh, the guy who puts it all together – really builds a foundation for how long this Colorado Avalanche have have spanned. It feels like despite them going through some tough times, they always stayed in the social conscience because of how much success they had in the early running. And it's a massive credit to what he did uh, in the early going.
2: Yeah, no, they um, – You know, and here they are. It's not like you looked at Colorado and said, okay, and then they disappeared off the map. They may be going on the right trajectory again to oh. to win some Stanley Cups in a while. So uh, we'll see. But a, a big loss for a guy who saw that organization go from Quebec to Colorado, never lost any of his superstars. So uh, did a heck of a job. We also uh, catch up with Mark Specter too, at, in the 8 o'clock hour as they get set for the World Juniors. I don't know what you guys have been talking about uh, on your show, Beck. I was kind of one, and I still am. Uh, I just think these are kids playing, but it looks like it'll be a go if all the teams are arriving. We'll play that, and we'll get into it with Spector. We'll talk with Specter too, about um, – some things that we'll get into with uh, as far as how physical things would be too so that's uh, that's at eight o'clock always join us on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650 and 650 and join the conversation speaking of joining the conversation our man Colby Armstrong is doing that right now from Pittsburgh Colby how are you this morning yeah I'm doing good how are you guys good let me ask you this so here we sit in vancouver right there's nothing that anybody can do so thank goodness for sundays and you got football but if you're yep. in pittsburgh and you've had your day give me a guess how many tv sets are on on that steelers bills game last night if you're walking around like, how crazy is that city right now would it be yeah, if you have a tv you were watching the steelers last night oh 100
3: percent. yeah everyone's everyone's watching it and um you know, they're obviously they're the hot ticket in town. They're the only thing really going. So, um, you know, and they always, you know, garner most of the attention here. It's, it's, it's really cool. Cause Pittsburgh isn't really that super big of a city, but just a massive sports town. And, um, you know, you can see the, you know, the following the Steelers have around the world. It's it's just absolutely wild here. So, you know what were they eleven and zero start and now drop their last two games and believe me, uh, the radio station, the local radio and sports talk is, oh. is quite busy uh, dissecting where the Steelers have gone in the last two weeks. Uh, the sky is falling, guys. The sky is falling in Pittsburgh right now.
0: Look, look,
2: listen, you you got a big family and I think of that show, This Is Us. Grow there in Pittsburgh, everyone becomes a Steeler. It's always different when dad was a pro athlete, but but dear kids, are, are they Steeler fans? Do you buy into all that or do you watch pro sports from the fringe?
3: Oh, yeah, I buy into it big time. It's all, it's it's great living here because just because of the fandom, like just the way the city is with their sports teams. I mean, this is like a beer drinking, uh, you know, sports watching town and supporting their team. So, um, you know, rate right from, you know, uh, Pitts, Penn State. Uh, West Virginia down the road, you've got pro teams here, obviously, that uh, have had lots of ex- success, I guess, minus the Pirates. It's been some time since uh, they've kind of been in the headlines for anything anybody winning. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm big time into the Sundays right now. It's kind of like what we've got looking forward to every weekend with football, especially Steelers are doing so well. And, you know, my kids are into it. We like watching it. My son's got a clay pool chase Claypool uh hoodie uh, and a jersey know. he's he's fully on board with the uh, mapletron the big canadian kid what a beauty so it's yeah it's been a lot of fun and i mean like i like i said like what do we have to look forward to right now just getting to the weekend and getting the sundays and the Steelers are, are off to a good start last few weeks have been tough but it gives us lots to talk about
1: they uh keep dropping passes you gotta dust off oh, the old my. athlete uh <laughs> And uh, you know, make a couple of calls and just say, hey, look, guys, I'm ready. I've been folding laundry. I've been working on my hands this whole pandemic. I'm good. Oh, dropping
3: passes, guys. Dropping passes. Can't run the ball. Oh, Ben's arm. There's lots of action going on at the Steelers <laughs> right now. But, uh, yeah, you, you know what? With all the training we've got in my backyard, my son hasn't been dropping too many lately. when We've been playing catch, but um, – Uh, Yeah, that's 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 a big thing with the with the receiving core that they have that has been so good this year. And they've kind of been, you know, it's like in the NBA when they just start making threes. That's what the, the Steelers are just, you know, Ben's just chucking the ball and they're not just not making plays they're not making catches. But yeah, you're right. My hands are pretty soft still from from getting the laundry going. I'm laundry king. I'm the laundry king.
2: Hey, is Colby Armstrong. Speaking of dropping, um, Jim Benning was was quoted in post-media uh, over the weekend saying that, hey, we understand team toughness. We understand if we're playing Edmonton and we're playing Calgary nine times and they've got a Kachuk and they got a Cassian, that we may have to answer the bell. Do you think the way the schedule is panned out that, yeah, more so than an 82-game regular season, there's going to be a lot of heat and team toughness will maybe – uh, carry more weight than it would in a regular season.
3: Um, yeah, possibly just the way the schedule possibly set up with what we're hearing, right? So you're going to get into those games, but I, I, I'm just thinking back with with a shortened schedule and how they're going to fit everything in. And yes, you know the way they're going to format it, so you know you could possibly playing, you know teams obviously multiple times in your division more than usual, and just already the heated rivalry in a lot of these places. Um, with some of the teams, as we know, um, you know it could come into factor a, a little bit here and there. But I think I just remember I look back to the, to the shortened season. When was it? in Thirteen, twelve, thirteen? Whenever the last lockout mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Um, and it was like it was like just more like more of a sprint than anything. So you're kind of just focused on, um, you know, racking up those points and getting off to a really great start. And that kind of mentality, more so than thinking about. We weren't really thinking about anything else other than like you, you have to go 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 instead of you know great November okay great here we go okay so it's you know I can see their heads being more you know in and around that rather than you know that team toughness play as we've seen kind of slide away a little bit but it, God I'm looking forward to that rivalry stuff that we've you know that that has kind of been placed on the table for a lot of hockey fans to see some of those games a lot of those games that we all kind of, you know, hold our breath going, are we going to get one of those rivalry nights tonight? Is this really going to be it? Or, or is this, yeah. this going to be something we talk about?
1: You know, going back to that twelve thirteen season, do you recall, like, it, you know, it kind of being a shock of how quickly you had to be locked in? You know, because hockey players are a you know, creature of habit, and you get used to yeah. your calendar. It's, you know, September, you ease into it, just like you're talking about October, November. It's great to start early, but, you know, when winning time is, uh, that season, you didn't have time to spare to, to, to get off to a good start.
3: No, I know. And, and this is going to be exactly it. Like, I think we had a two-week camp as well. So, everyone kind of just poured into town. I mean, not like you have to do now with quarantine. And, like, you know, the pandemic is is, is just, you know, made every you know everybody talking about it going, you know, kind of, what's going to happen? How do we know? What's... <laughs> Who knows? But uh, at the same time, like, we had a two-week camp. I remember we kind of negotiated with the with the coaching staff and our GM when I was in Montreal that year kind of like we don't have time to do a training real training camp we we're not going to do fitness testing what's not going to prove? we've got to be ready to go so let's put all of our focus into our into the into the start of the season cuz we know it's a sprint right from the start to the end and um yeah the the two week training camp no preseason. it was just boom 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 get going get ready here we go um, and I hope for myself personally, probably a lot of guys just like wondering if you're going to be ready in time or if it's going to feel the same like you hoped it it would just because the start means so much and when you have to shorten schedule. So I'm sure there'll be some anxiety from from a lot of players and, and coming in. Yeah, one being, you know, excited to be ready to go, but um, and play hockey, but just personally, individually with the shortened camps and you kind of don't get, you know, as tested and it's kind of a rush through situation to start the season
2: with all that being said is there any possible way I, I was surprised by how quickly and how good the hockey was in the bubble in the summertime yeah. and everything's on the line but do you think the first three weeks month of hockey it will will look sloppy because the players like i mean you knew if you weren't ready to go your three games in and you're, you're done in the bubble do you, do you think it yeah, might take a exactly. while for it to look well, i'm not going to say normal but like the NHL for the first three weeks, considering where the guys coming from.
3: Well, what happened in the first bubble wasn't it like uh, a massive hit? Then Justin Williams gets in a fight, wasn't it? Wasn't it that right off the start? Like I was like, oh, my oh gosh. yeah, and then the pace of play was through the roof, um, and the hockey was 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 excellent. So um, it, I think it kind of blew everybody away with just how kind of crisp and fast it was right from the get go. As so you kind of expect some sloppy play, which you know I probably do that because. You know the playoffs is the playoffs, let's face it, and um you know, guys find a way to find that extra level, but um, I think we can expect a little bit of rusty, sloppy play. I mean we've had teams you know some of these teams that have not made the playoffs can make it to the bubble that have been off for a really long time, so mm-hmm. um you know I think it I think it will be you know a little bit expected, and you know as players pour pour back into their cities and you know set in for their quarantines before things kind of start off. I think it'll be a little bit anxiety individually between guys. Like I said, with with you know the preparation and um, you know what the first you know few weeks of the season are gonna one look like, but for them individually, what it's gonna feel like, right? Because I was always nervous about that. I think most guys are like, how how, how do I feel? Like how do my hands feel? How do my legs feel? Um, and you know with this way, it's gonna be set up. They're just gonna be, hey, they better feel good because here we go.
1: Colby Armstrong, eight-year NHL player, joining the starting lineup. Nazar, Perry Salkowski. Uh, you did a bunch of training camps. Uh, you got any stories of your toughest one? Maybe not your rookie year because you're wide-eyed and learning it all. But what was your toughest training camp?
3: Um, I, I hated training camp. I like, I like, I hated the anxiety <laughs> of like being judged or being ready or you know the off-ice testing and everything. It just drove me through the wall. Like my my brain, it just was like I was so scared I was going to get cut. Like there was just so much going on in my head that was just insane, but I would say like the the hardest training camp was probably you know one of my first training camps just because I was like 170 pound, um, you know I got drafted in the first round and kind of coming into Pittsburgh it was it was a little bit country club so it was like you know kind of come and go as you please with some of the stuff and I just wasn't used to that and I wasn't you know I didn't I didn't have my you know my feet under me about. We know how it was going to be so like you know all that all that stuff i just talked about what to expect but there was one session i was sitting and watching here in pittsburgh and just young first time there just kind of wide-eyed staring at nhl players and no joke there was some incidents that took place on the ice that led to a bench clearing brawl at camp bench clearing brawl and I was like, really? "Oh
4: my go-
3: I was like, "Oh my goodness! This is like, what is going on here?" And I was like, on the second group to go out and do like our practice and scrimmage type of deal. You know, they rotate all the groups around. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, like, what is going to happen? How is this? This is NHL camp." I was like, "Okay." So I was like, I was kind of <laughs> like, "Never mind." An eye opener, like getting used to everything and seeing all these like fancy NHL players, but. You know, you get to get out in there and all the big boys and the game changes. And all of a sudden there's a little altercations and, and line changes were happening. There's a bench clearing brawl at a training camp. I was like, this is insane. And Peg Pittsburgh wasn't really known for that with their team. You know, Straka, Kovalev, Lang, Mario, Morozov, uh, you know, it's just like more skill yeah. than anything. So it was kind of caught me off
2: guard. Jeez, that's awesome! Hey, speaking of which, you know, you saw Montreal load up in the off season in part because of what they did to Pittsburgh. Your work with the Penguins—what uh, can we expect as far as something different? Was that just an anomaly? What happened to them in the bubble? How different will they look uh, come yeah, next well, month think, when they're on the ice?
3: Yeah, I think. Well, they've they've completely overhauled here, really. Like you know, from you know, staff to. um you know, possibly a little bit of philosophy, and and getting some guys just a little more comfortable. Like the Zucker trade, they signed Tanev. Um, you know, those are those are two big contributing guys up front. Um, you know, getting uh, Schultz and Jack Johnson, who are kind of lightning rod guys here the last few years. Um, you know, they're gone. So bringing in a few D um, and CC and Matheson, and then um, going and getting Capen and up front too, which I think just kind of. You know, you've got all these good pieces and good players here, and and you know, I think Rutherford just looked at, you know, we need to find some some, you know, complementary guys, one guys that can play, and and then some depth. So they signed a lot of depth guys, um, signed a lot of complimentary guys, and then kind of like a little flavor in there is, is Kaplan because I think he brings one speed, which depends on to play, you know, a speed game, and that, I think that depends a lot to do with their defenseman moving the puck. which Matheson, I think can skate with the puck, um, um, fairly well, so he'll help with that back there but um capping and swagger and speed up front and, and you know where he's going to slot in po- probably on the lane with Crosby or mm-hmm. or Malkin at, at the very least um you know I think gives him a, a big punch with with what I just talked about up front with the pieces they added Zucker's fast fa- Tanev is fast and today's just Brandon if I should say if I'm talking to you know Canucks radio yeah uh, the, the others in Calgary now but Yeah. His, his brother is a speed demon and plays right on the line. And I think they need a little bit more punch like he brought last year. Um, And I think Kapanen can do that for them as well as they're kind of just looking up their speed and kind of up the penguins look um, that, you know, I think fans here are used to seeing. So uh, they did a good job. I I think, I think it'll be interesting to see how everything kind of shakes out with their lineup and what, and you know, what's what their identity will actually look like with some of these new guys. Um, but I think they filled some holes that they needed and, and looked for certain guys and characteristics and I think they found some of them.
2: Colby, thank you for this. Uh we'll worry about what the penguins will look like hopefully in about a month's time. For now, just concentrate on better receiving hands and maybe throwing the ball downfield a little <laughs> more for your steelings. Uh <laughs> well meet hey, stay maybe safe. Been quiet. And, uh, yes. <laughs> stay safe. Happy Good holidays, quiet.
3: my friend. All right. Take care, guys. Good hearing you guys.
2: All right, there's uh, Colby Armstrong. He's got he's got the big family crew out there. I'm not surprised at all, Beck. If you're in Pittsburgh, there's nothing going on. The Steelers look so good for so long. They're playing a Sunday night game that they're all they're all about the Steelers. But you know, there's there's a hockey team in Pittsburgh too that as Colby said they've they've done an awful lot of changes. And when you got Sidney Crosby and you got Melkin there, you're probably still going to be okay. But they're going to have some battles uh, where they're playing next year as well.
1: Championship expectations when he got those guys and it yeah. kind of shows that that bubble experience was probably so disappointing for that city because when you got two elite level athletes man, you expect to have prolonged runs in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, the the phrase the window was closing is something they haven't said in Pittsburgh and I don't think you can with Sydney. But people are kind of wondering, oh, how long do we have? And if they struggle this year, right, they will uh, they will be near that conversation. Lots of conversations still ahead. Hey, are the Vancouver Canucks tough enough? And what about what happened over the weekend with Braden Holtby? We'll get into that and a whole lot more. It's Monday morning, everybody. I'd love to tell you. It's going to be nice outside, but the rain is here, and it's here to stay for a while. It's Periods spic. It's the home of the Canucks Sports at 650.
0: Welcome to The Starting Lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
1: 6.31
2: on this Monday morning. Good morning, Vancouver. Perry Solkowski, Bick Nazar with you. taking for the week. Seaball enjoys a little time, like I say, time away. I mean, you can't have a whole bunch of time away in the world we live in right now. Uh, as he gets going, uh, the big um, interesting and uh, our poll question this morning deals with what Jim Benning was talking about in post media this uh, this weekend. And we just touched on it with Colby Armstrong. I think it makes sense. You know, Benning talks about, hey, you're going to see a lot of Calgary, you're going to see a lot of Edmonton. You're going to see a lot of agitators. Who's the agitator on the Vancouver Canucks? Do they need one? And does that mean when you're playing that Friday night game and then that sour Saturday night game? Is there going to be enough team toughness? Right now, it's pretty much split down the middle with everybody on a poll question. Check it out on Sportsnet 650. Where would you fall with this? Are the Canucks tough enough, or it's not going to be necessary?
1: I believe the Canucks are tough enough. It's the question of do they have that individual guy that's the Ooh. prototypical willing to drop the gloves and, and that element in it. And, and I think in 2020, or the way modern NHL is played, you probably don't need that individual guy. It's do you have individual toughness? And I I look at guys like Paul Horvat, and and not that they're agitators. It's they have the right level of toughness. They're willing to battle through things, right? Horvat, Besser, Pearson. To be honest, even Elias like You see the way Vegas tried roughing him up, and he was able to persevere through it. That's the level of toughness I want to see in modern hockey, and I think the Canucks have that.
2: I agree with you. Here's what I wonder. I do think because of the situation we are going into, on average, I think we will, I'm not saying it's, we're rolling it back to the dinosaur era of make sure everybody has a goon. I do think we will see a lot more fights this year than normal. It'll be interesting. Colby Armstrong's take was, you know what, This, this is going to be so short. You're not going to focus on having that grudge. You know, next shift, I'm going to get him. You're going to see that guy the next night. You're not going to have to wait three weeks to see them. But I don't know, to your point, I'm glad the league, I'm one of those guys going, hey, man, I think we saw a couple of fights actually in the bubble, but you don't need it. The best hockey is the Olympic hockey in the world. You don't go to see the fights. I, I don't think the Canucks can be pushed around. But Benning talking about a guy like Bailey, talking about a guy like, you know, Horvat's there. Does Jake Vertanen do that? Does Zach McEwen who's shown a propensity to that, hey, if that's what I have to do in the NHL, then I'll be that guy? It will be interesting to see. I don't think it's a problem that um, they have to worry about, but you do not want to be that team. I remember, didn't Travis Green? Remember a couple years ago, I believe Travis Green used the word soft once in a post game. And he apologized right away. You don't want to be that hockey. I don't think the Canucks are soft, but I don't think they're a team that's going to be instigating and doing all the pushing.
1: The thing about it is it's all about winning, more so than anything, right? And I look yep. at Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Just lifted the Stanley Cup. have had all the success in the regular season. And last year, you would say, okay, that team was soft. That was the prevailing sentiment come playoff time. They just couldn't get over uh, the Columbus blue jackets in that scenario. And they went and addressed it, but they didn't go and address it with like a Ryan Reeves type. They no. knew they they, they they had a, a element in their roster that was missing. So they addressed it with Blake Coleman with Barclay Goudreau. And I guess you could say their toughest guy would be a Patrick Maroon. That's how they addressed it. It's not necessarily a guy that's going to strike fear, but it's people that are grinders and, if you're looking for that element in Vancouver, I'd say the big, the two biggest candidates to fill that Patrick Maroon role, I guess, would be Antoine Roussel, who I'm excited to see, right? It felt like last year he was always going to try to overcome the hurdle of the knee injury, and I don't know if he ever really got over that. So maybe this is our truest evalu- evaluation of what we're going to see from Antoine Roussel. And the other guy you mentioned, Zach McEwen, obviously a lot of promise, and Jim Banning spent a lot of time in the past year, uh, praising Zach McEwen's progress and his developments, called him a, a full-time player ex- expectations for this upcoming year. Those are the two guys that I say, if they can provide that gritty element, that's how you can solve it naturally than saying, oh, this is something the Canucks don't have.
2: Well, I, they realized it last year, and thus the signing of Michael Furland. A guy who can still play hockey, but in case there was something there. And, you know, no one could have seen what was coming up. That, unfortunately, the risk that they took with Furland, it doesn't look like it will pay off. But you're right. I, I don't think it becomes a concern for them. Uh, you look at that 2011 team. You know, they're Stanley Cup champions. If they, they could take a glove and a face wash, but if you could make and score on power play, you go, oh, that's all right. And, you know, Tampa Bay wasn't going to change what that team has built and how they're made up but you have to add some pieces. It'll be interesting to see in this short season if you have to add it. Another weekend went by with the Canucks where something on social media came up. Last weekend, it was Mark Donnelly and singing at the, the Unmasked rally, which they had to deal with, and they did very quickly. Uh, this something different, though, Bick, that on social media came up. And and when I first heard of it, I said, really? Is that the situation? But uh, Braden Holpe had a mask, and, and in it, some indigenous artwork, and uh, the designer of the mask in Sweden, as most do, proud of the work he had done, put it out and said, "Hey, here's what's coming." and then a few people saying, "Boy, inappropriating you know native art, that wasn't done the right way." And so Holpi, who, by all intents and purposes, is just the nicest guy around and wants to do what he can to help out and did so much in the Washington community uh, quickly went on and said, Hey, you know what, that I had no idea that that's how it would be construed. I want to apologize right now and make amends for it. Bick, we're in a cancel culture and it kind of seemed like a few people were jumping on them. And I just, I, I, can you not make a mistake nowadays in 2020? You should be
1: corrected when you do make a mistake. You're allowed to, but you also be, you also have to be afforded the space to reconcile. And that's mm-hmm. what I think we miss sometimes. And look, you know, he put out a statement, you know, willing to say that like made a mistake. And we do all have blind spots, right? That we just missed something. Here's something he wanted to do to pay homage to the West Coast, and okay, maybe didn't take the right steps to do it, or didn't take the right steps to do it. And in you wish there was more consultation with uh, with indigenous members of the community. So there's that manner in which you can go about it, and hopefully that's something that Brad Holpe does moving forward. It just that element. It's it's fair to point out the mistake, and I think there's absolutely room for that conversation of, hey, if you want to pay homage, there's a way to do it. But yeah. you, also, you also have to provide the spaces to allow someone to say, I screwed up, and this isn't necessarily an attack on my character. They, I, I never felt like there was a malicious intent in this.
2: Yeah, uh, several people commenting on Twitter, and I like this one. As an Indigenous person, I commend Brayden Holpe, the Vancouver Canucks goaltender, for acknowledging he made an error in judgment. Apologize for offending Indigenous people. I accept your apology, sir. That's how we move forward. From what I've been told, Braden Holpe, this is not even his game-worn mask. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that when Braden Holpe makes his first appearance as a Vancouver Canuck, some might be going, oh, he wears the mask. Well, this is his second mask, and, and that was missed in a story that was reported. He has, you know, he was trying to get everything set from Washington, said, you know, to the guy who makes his mask, going, hey, we're heading to Vancouver, let's do something to pay tribute, and kind of left it at that, but it wasn't his his first mask. This is mask number two, that likely the odd practice mask, or if something happens, um, but Hey, he had no intention of doing that and offending everybody. So it kind of blew up over the weekend. I'm glad that he, as the guy he is, said, man, I had no idea. So I'll apologize right now. And I would imagine everybody who talks about Brayton right, Holpe will probably seek some artists locally here and want an explanation. And the great thing is, I think of a bit, you know, that we get in the media when someone is is wearing something that is different for the most part. His team will go and say, "Hey, here's what's behind it." You you go back to I think it was 2014 or 15 when Tortorella. There was a group of Canucks that went up north, um, and, and did some work, and and the the people from Haida gave them a hat. And so if you can remember, there was this Haida hat. All of a sudden, that you know NHL teams have the uh, oh here's our player of the game, and the next thing you go in, they're wearing something. Well, the Canucks had the Haida hat, but I can remember being there, and and the PR. Uh, Representation from the Canucks wanted to make very sure. Hey, if you're going to talk about it, because it was a cool looking hat. Here's the history behind it. Here's how it's kind of given to a warrior. And so you, you know, I remember going on and sharing that story. Going, I had no idea, but here's the hat they get, and here's the purpose. For me, if Holby ends up having a mask with significance, we're going to be explaining it. You'll hear Brendan. You're you're a Brandon Bachelor. You're here. You're here, Shorty, and Cheech. They'll talk about the mask. So to me, it was a good thing. A mistake. The intent was right. Uh, a mistake made. You go, hey, sorry, I didn't mean to go about it that way. Here was my intent. Hopefully, it's just quickly water under the bridge. But it's kind of funny how in society everyone's quiet. You see it, and uh, quite a few people were offended by it. So I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Not, not certainly intent of the newest member of the Vancouver
5: Canucks.
1: It's just following the right processes, right? And I think we've learned so much here in the last uh, seven, eight months of what the right avenues are to try to pay homage, and it just felt like... It, look, we do have blind spots. I do look at it and it's like, okay, you can correct it and by all accounts, it will be corrected. I, I, I kind of say done and dusted. Well done to everyone for pointing it out, yeah. but let's not take it a step too far and now make it about the character of people who clearly just misstepped.
2: Well, listen, he cleared it up in 24 hours. The, the Cleveland Indians are finally clearing it up after how many decades, right?
1: Right. And, and look, that's a great example because we, we look at the intent of that, right? Go look at the logos of, of Cleveland in, in years past. It's the, the intent feels and looks different. There's a reason why they're on the steps to remedy this after decades and decades of it being a symbol that offended many people, right? And and you look at Washington, you look at Edmonton, they've taken their steps to remedy that because when you go back and you look at the intent of why those were designed, clearly those are offensive, and those stood the test of time for far too long.
2: All right, it is 6.42. When we return, no BS, just P.S., and boy, what would it cost to throw an opponent's shoe 20 yards and ruin everything for your university. We'll give you all those details ahead. 643 in the home of the connect
0: Sports at 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want it. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski.
2: Time for a little uh, BS, not PS, uh, or maybe it's vice versa. Who knows what it is? I'm confused. You might be, too. Did you watch that Seahawks game yesterday? Did they not roll over the New York Jets? Yeah, you would think so, everyone, but listen to my friends. Think again.
0: All right, let's look at this logically, okay? okay? Okay! Okay, only a really bad team would only score three points in a football game. And the Jets are the greatest team ever. So something's not adding up here. You see, the whole house of cards collapses. Long story short, the Jets will go to the Super Bowl. That's a promise. Place your bets now, people.
2: That's Saturday Night Live, and thank, thank the New York Jets pick for only scoring three points because it works that way. You know what? I didn't even tell you this because you're the king of fantasy football. You know what? I've got three New York Jets in my roster. It's the only reason I flipped over and watched that game to see if Crowder could catch a football, Man, Jets are a bad team.
1: You know, in the right league, that might matter, right? Because, you know, if he, if he has a day where he catches six, six catches for, you know, 65 yards, that's a decent day in the, the PPR league. That's 12 points. It's
2: well, exactly pal. The only reason when I'm looking at the score and going, guess what? Darnold's going to have to throw it. Maybe he'll find Crowder. Maybe I'll get something cheap. I got it from, from Jared Cook in that Saints game, so we'll see. Hey, P.S., Brady Lehman is an Olympic champion, and he needs help. help.
6: I need somebody. Help. not just anybody. Help. you know I need someone. Help.
2: You know, it's the state of amateur athletes, and I think in 2010 we saw our country show so much money behind our Olympians that you go, wow, they had all the great training. Brady won a Golden Ski Cross in 2018 uh, in South Korea. He needs a sponsor for his headband, his biggest spot that he has available. He took to social media with a post and said, hey, unique opportunity for corporate Canada. Brady's one of the most humble and hardworking Olympic champs in all of skiing, a great ambassador for a brand looking for equal parts, global visibility, and national pride. Man, that's, that's just the world they live in, Vic. I mean, we deal with the NHL and the millions and all that. We embrace our amateur athletes once every two years, once for the summer, once for the winter. But, man, they struggle. And he's saying, hey, I'm a gold medalist. Anybody interested in sponsoring me, he needs the help. I don't know if they find it.
1: And, and the amateur athletes don't get enough recognition. We, we You're right. We, we focus on them every two years or four years, depending on the sport. It, it's such... A, an uphill battle at times for these athletes to get recognized and to get the right sponsorship to you know, help continue to pursue the dreams. We're happy to support them every four years, but that support requires a lot of effort along the way.
2: Yeah, and it's a tough time for so many people financially. You are going to see that. It'll be different to watch the Olympics this summer because all those great amateur athletes haven't had the training that they've been looking for with the traveling. Hey, uh, if the shoe fits, wear it. If you stop the guy on third down, don't throw it
0: heard an official announce throwing a player's shoe, well,
2: it and wasn't it wasn't 11. 11. It was
5: Marco
1: Wilson. Right, it was three. And Marco Wilson's got to know better than
0: it, that. It, He's there's a no reason to guy. do it. I, I, I saw a cleat going through the fog.
2: And if you're watching college football, LSU's taking on Florida. LSU has been beaten up all year. But they find themselves. They have a good game. They come back, and they're tied late up against Florida. They're playing in some heavy fog. They've got a third down play and their player is stopped. So the LSU has got a punt. Florida's likely going to go down and win this thing. But after the tackle is made, the guy loses his shoe. So the DB they're talking about, Bicky, picks it up and absolutely flings it down the field. Like, yeah, in your face. Ref say, no, that's, <laughs> you can't pull that off. Throw the flag. They march downfield. They kick a field goal that takes the lead. Florida can't tie it up, man. They're college athletes, but sometimes you lose it. That's costing them bowl games in all likelihood. Who I don't know what I'm complaining about.
1: I, Honestly. There's, there's, there's fumble Ruski and there's fumble Shuski. That's all I saw, right? <laughs> he, he thought it was a loose ball. That's fine.
2: Uh, and finally, P.S., when something is good, you just can't do it once.
0: You're crazy. You're good because you fell, you fat kid. Have another go next. Have another goal night.
2: Could have played that. Krispy Kreme. You know how they celebrated Saturday, the 12th day of the 12th month? You can buy 12 donuts for a dollar. So good. They did it yesterday on the 13th. Not the 12th month. The 13th month. But 12th month. 12 donuts. One dollar. Gosh, you know what? I've eaten everything in the last two weeks, it seems like. Krispy Kreme. 12 for a dollar, Beck. You doing it? Could you you do it?
1: Uh, I I would purchase them. Uh, how many I could sit through? Man, yeah. I don't know. I feel I feel like I could do a, a decent dent, but I, I would need some help.
2: So I'm I'm going six before I'm taking a breath, probably.
1: I, I was gonna say seven or eight for me. So I, I would need I I would need help getting across the finish line, but I feel like I could do a reasonable dent into it.
2: Yeah, seven or eight. Leave them in the kitchen or wherever. You're walking away. You're you're going. Oh my goodness! I just lost control. You're disappointed at yourself. And then when you next do the flyby, you're grabbing one more. I did it with pizza yesterday. I'm stuffed. Oh, yeah. Come downstairs a a half hour later, go, well, there's still a piece there. I may as well have it.
1: (laughs) I just call that Sunday routine.
2: It is. You got a lot of football to watch on Sunday. We got a lot of football to talk about. We will do exactly that. Our Monday morning quarterback, Natea Jay, will join us. That's it. Perry Salkowski, Bik Dazar. Starting lineup on this Monday morning. Hate to tell you, people, it's gonna rain, rain all week. But we'll bring the sunshine on Sportsnet six fifty.
0: Let's get it going. It's time to get up.
1: Wilson wants another touchdown pass. Shakes a tackler and he's got it in
0: the end zone. These guys are here to break it all down. It's not just them, you know.
1: It was Washington, the football team. It was the Edmonton football team. All of these things have happened in twenty twenty. Uh, some ugly truths were put in front of folks uh, uh, about
0: race. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. I couldn't care <laughs> less about the team struggling. This is the starting lineup with James Sibolsky and Perry Solkowski. Let's
1: go. Well, you. Starting lineup. James Sibolsky away this week. I'm Vic Nazar with Perry Stokowski, who's just having a couple of uh, minor technical difficulties. He'll re-up here in just a second. Uh, this hour of the starting lineup brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Lander or Arbutus in Vancouver, or online at DunbarLumber.com. You can also get involved onto our Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. Uh, shoot us thoughts on anything that happened over the weekend. Your thoughts on uh, Brayden Holpe and the mask, controversy your thoughts on week 14 in the NFL we're going to talk to Natea J in just a second from the all ball podcast also a Toronto Argonauts wide receiver uh, in just a couple of minutes here uh, a lot going on as well today we will talk to uh, Mark Spector at eight o'clock Adrian Dater from uh, Colorado Hockey Pierre Lacroix passing away uh, over the weekend a massive team builder for the Colorado Avalanche help building the foundation uh, really, for, it's going on for 20-plus years now. Uh, Starting up with the early uh, success of the Colorado Avalanche. Had, obviously, the architect behind some Stanley Cup-winning teams. We'll get to that in just a minute. I believe we've got Perry back on. Perry? Yeah, you know what? It started with the
6: 3 o'clock car alarm in my neighborhood uh, that woke everybody up got me up to look in the driver's well, that's not my car then the subsequent four o'clock car alarm and then the seven o'clock okay your internet in your house is gone but uh pick uh, we are back and this hour we get through of course brought to you by our friends at Dunbar Lumber the smart alternative is at Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, or Buda Street in Vancouver or online at Dunbar Lumber I heard them on the line before I lost the internet so it is Monday morning, and we say hello
7: to Nate, J. Our Monday morning quarterback, Natalia, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing, Vic? How are you doing, man? Oh, it's fantastic, man. Another great week of football. Absolutely. Uh, same... I mean, I can't wait to get into it with you guys.
0: Yeah,
6: let's let's get into that. You know where I want to start is, is let's just deal with kind of the new shiny toy in a sense that what we saw with that Saints-Philadelphia game. Jalen Hurts gets his opportunity, uses his legs like he should. Now, we've, do we have a problem in Philadelphia? Do you go game by game? Um, or is Jalen Hurts, was that his coming out party going, hey, we've seen it everywhere else. It may as well play me.
7: I think it's an interesting dilemma they got going on there because right now, looking at it, Jalen Hurts has to be your guy for the rest of the season, right? Because we've seen what Carson Wentz is able to do and it wasn't pretty. Jalen Hurts was at least able to be in there and execute a basic offense, right? You know, get the ball out on time, use his legs, create problems for the defense. And one thing I thought that was interesting is Doug Peterson is 11 and 3 with backup quarterback. So quarterback's not named Carson Wentz. He's 11 and 3 with. So that means he he does have a good scheme, you know, when he gets a quarterback in there that's able to execute his game plan, it works. But Wentz, he was just he had no confidence. He he was almost creating more problems for, for their team than it uh, needed to be, right? Like, great quarterbacks like Mahomes, Rodgers, they solve all the problems in the defense. And it seemed like Wentz was, was the issue there. He was creating most of their issues that they had there. And I thought it was a great job by Hurts, right? You know, he was able to use his legs, right, create problems for the Saints' defense. Like, we talked about it going into the game. The Saints had like, one of the top defenses, and it was going to be – tough for a rookie quarterback to go in there and not only just win but you know be effective but you could tell that you know just him executing their basic offense you know being able to use his leg created a lot of issues for the saints that they weren't used to i mean they they probably thought going into this game okay you know rookie quarterback is going to keep it simple but with his legs he was even, he was able to open up stuff for miles sanders right, in the run game as well because they're so key in on his ability to run. So I thought it was a great performance by him. You know, obviously his first game, so teams are going to have more film uh, to watch and, and to key on, but, you know, he came out here and he was—he he looked a lot better than what they'd be seeing with Carson Wentz, and that's thats a step up. That's what they needed. They needed a spark. Now everybody on that team is excited to go to work the next day and, and play football games now.
1: I I want to touch on the other side though, Nate. Just the the Saints. You know, Taysom Hill struggles a bit. He couldn't beat a a QB playing in his first game, and like when that happens with Taysom Hill, is there a ceiling to this team? And I know everyone's waiting for Drew Brees to come back, but like it's not easy to come back from broken ribs and a punctured lung to do day to day things, let alone play NFL football. I'm I'm getting a bit worried about the Saints.
7: Yeah, I am too. But the thing imagine being at work and you've got 13 broken rib ribs and they're like, yeah, you're going to be back soon. You're going to be like, what? I got broken ribs, right? And that's what's going on with Drew Brees. They keep saying he's going to be back soon. I'm like, man, he's got 13 broken ribs. No other job are you saying he's coming back soon. So I thought that's uh, interesting. But the thing, yeah, they're waiting for Drew to come back because they know – no, to win in, in in the playoffs, right? you're going to need a quarterback that's able to, you know, like I said, solve all the problems. And Taysom Hill isn't there yet. Right. Even when he has the answers, maybe his accuracy will be a little off. Right. Or he's just not seeing it quick enough. And defense able to react. He's not quite as polished as a, as a passer yet. And that's that's what's going to hurt him. Because when you get to the playoffs, teams are going to make you be one dimensional. Right. They're going to make you throw the ball from the pocket. Right. No, No ability to use your legs. No ability to just hand it off. Right. They're going to make you do that. They're going to make you do what your weak is at. And right now, he's just not there yet. He's developing. Okay, All right. It's not as bad as we thought it was going to be, but it's not there where they can, you know, start saying, "Oh, he's the savior," or "He's the future," or "He's going to win us a Super Bowl." No, they're not there yet. They're still waiting on Drew Reese to come back. And right now, it's uh, it's it seems far away because this guy's got thirteen broken ribs. But they keep saying he's close. So we'll see.
2: Well, a guy who might be there. And might be getting, hey, he's our savior. He could win us the Super Bowl. I mean, we've watched NFL football pretty much on every night because of COVID. But there was a time where you just wanted to show yourself on Monday night. And then if you got that Sunday night primetime slot, that would be good too. So that's Josh Allen back-to-back with the Buffalo Bills. Show everybody what you're like on Monday. And then if they're not sure about it, prove it against a really good defense in Pittsburgh last night. Are they now – I'm not going to say for real because I've always thought they were, but now do they have the attention of the entire league right now, Nate?
7: Oh, absolutely! They had, they absolutely do, especially when you win on prime time because that just catches the national media. Everybody's watching those games, like you said. But they're a complete team right now. Their defense is rounded into form, and I would argue right now they're probably the second best team in the NFL after the Chiefs, right? Because the whole argument with the Steelers was like, okay, can they beat the? Can they beat the uh, Chiefs? Can they beat the Chiefs? It's like no, I don't think they can right now. We have to be looking at Buffalo as that you know that second team, and if they're the NFC right now they'd probably be the Super Bowl, you know, favorites to get into the and into the Super Bowl game, right, if they're in the NFC, right? They'd be the top team. So, no, excellent job on them. Uh, it, it's, it, their offense creates so many uh, issues for defenses, right? Because, you know, you, you play zone defense, right? Okay, then you got Cole Beasley running around, you know, finding holes. You know, you try to play man, right? You got Stefan Diggs who can beat anyone in man cover. You saw him routing up every single DB. They were falling down left, right, and center. So, and then, you know, problems just with his legs and his athleticism, right? You know, their run game isn't great, but their defense is run to form. And, you know, it's so hard to stop, you know, a guy that like Josh Allen who's figured out his accuracy issues, right? That was his big problem. You know, he's got Cole Beasley now, and he's got Diggs who who helps with that because they make great contested catches. But, you know, it's it's as hard – you know, Josh Allen is – He's not in the MVP race right now, but he's you know bright future, bright future for him, and I look for him being you know contenders for years to come. But they they've arrived and they're they're gonna they're gonna you know shock some people this year, especially in the playoffs.
1: I I was saying last week about Pittsburgh, the illusion of the zero is gone, right? There's no longer a zero in the loss column. I I look at this team and I I just don't get scared watching them, right? Like I watch the Rams, it's like oh my god, it's so physical. The Chiefs, Seahawks, you know you the Browns even because of that running game, there's no part of the Steelers. I look at it. It's like, I'm scared to play them in the playoffs. Is that fair?
7: Yeah. The the scariest part about the Steelers was was their defense, right? They had you know Bud Dupree coming off the edge and he was he's hurt now. JJ Watts, like kind of the lone wolf now. They got Ken Hayward and Mill. But their scariest part of them was their defense, and they've lost so many guys to season NA injuries, and you know their depth is being tested right now. But that was the probably the scariest part. I was like I don't want to play the Steelers because you know they could pitch a shutout, maybe, right? So that was the scariest part. You watch their offense, you're like, what scares you? Zero running game, right? None to speak of. All their passes are five yards, you know, from the line of scrimmage. You know, they're getting the ball out of Ben's hands quick. But, yeah, you get it out quick, but where is it going, right? You're not scared at all. You're watching. It takes, you know, half an hour for them to get down the field. And it's like you can't continuously do that and be successful in the NFL. You have to be so perfect. So nothing scares you about the Steelers. And then uh, to add on to that, the receivers have the case of the drops, right? Like, uh, it started, you know, last you know, a couple of Wednesdays ago when they faced Baltimore, and it seemed like they couldn't hold on to anything. They couldn't catch a cold in in, in the winter, but now they, they it's it's continuing. and that's all in their hands, Deontay. Johnson, you saw the first quarter, you know, a couple easy passes. He gets benched, and then Ebron, a clutch third down, he, he drops it, right. So they got they got a lot of issues. Their offense isn't one dimensional, and you cannot play like that, especially in the playoffs, because you know Ben, you know, they're they're talking about him getting the ball out of his hands, but it's not going anywhere. Nothing scares me about that team, and the scariest part, you know, which was their defense, is is battered right now, injured. So you know they're right now they they've got some answers. They got to answer a lot of questions. It feels like they have three straight losses, right, because. Last um, the the, the lot the win against the Baltimore Ravens, you know, it felt like a loss because they played terribly. But now back to back losses with Washington and, and now Buffalo, and now we're we're questioning, you know, were they ever that you know nine and zero team that we were all talking about? Probably not.
2: Mateo Jay joining us, couple teams put up forty points. Uh, we'll get to Seattle, but they were playing a Div three team, a team that I don't know <laughs> if they're getting the respect. But boy, oh boy, I like the Raiders team. And that Colts team just came in there, threw up 44 on them. They can run the ball. They've got the weapons defensively. They're smart enough. Are they getting the respect they deserve? Or do you think, hey, we agree, Pittsburgh, now that was mirrors. But I just think the Indianapolis Colts are a football team that I don't know if you necessarily want to run into.
7: Absolutely. They, they are a football team you don't want to run into because it starts on the defensive end. And the, the, the one game that you know Tennessee ran all over, and they had like five, four, five, or six, Guys out due to COVID, right? So that's that's that, that's a game that we you know throw out the window. But I you know. since then, when they get the force buckner back in the middle of that defense, he changes everything, right? And they're built well, right? From the lineup, strong offensive line, they got you know at least three good running backs, Taylor Hines, right? They're th- at least three good running backs, and Phil Rivers that's what they're missing last year. You know, they're a solid team, like some similar to those Pittsburgh studios last year, where they were just missing a, a, a quarterback that you know, a veteran quarterback, right? Not a guy that's going to, you know, blow the doors off like a Mahomes, like a Rogers, like a Wilson. No, just a guy that can just get the job done week in and week out. Rivers, you know, he's obviously past his prime, but he can still deliver a deep ball, especially now that, um, uh, um, now that their receivers are playing well, they got their rookie Campbell from USC who, you know, he's coming into his own now. And, uh, you, know, it's, uh, you know, it's it's going to be tough to beat them because they are so strong and they run the ball so well. And they're you a know, veteran team, good coaching staff, you know, quality qu- quarterback, great receivers. It's, it, they're, they're being slept on right now, but I guarantee you no one wants to see them in, in the playoffs.
1: Forty to three, the Seahawks beat the Jets, and I know there's only so much you can take away from a victory like that uh, when it comes to the Seahawks. But is this a bit of a course correction for the Seahawks? Are they back on track now?
7: Uh, it's tough. It's tough to say because the Jets. I mean, that should be a a, a win no matter what. I mean, the, the, if they had, if that was even a game, you'd be worried. But I'm happy they took care of business because we know with the Hawks, right? No matter who they play, they're going to make that game as interesting as possible. And the big takeaway I had from that game was like. The last forty nine game games, Russell Wilson has played every single snap. Right. That means they were never in a position to take him out because they were blowing out a team. Right. And now in this game, we saw Geno Smith get in there in the third quarter. Right. That means they were taking care of business. That's what you want to see against a team like the Jets. Like, don't let them hang around. Right. They're, they're an NFL team too. You know, they're paid as well. They're professionals. They're prideful. No one wants to go winless in the season, right? So you don't want to be that team that's in the fourth quarter and, and ha- have a team like the Jets hanging around, making them feel like they could win, right? So I'm happy to take care of business. Russell Wilson spread the ball all over the field. He didn't have the you know, big-time yardage but four touchdowns, and you know he could have had five, and you know, he's trying to force the ball there to, to DK at the, um, in the first half. So, no, it's good to see them take care of business, and you never want to be in a dogfight with a team like the Jets because you never know what could happen.
2: What was the worst slide, worst team you were involved in, uh, and a funk that they fell into? Because it's got to be so hard for those Jets
7: players. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. I because mean, especially football, it's not like basketball or, you know, these other sports where, you know, it's not as physical. Where, you know, football, you have to feel like you have a chance to win to put your body through that, right? Because it's a physical game. Like, you know, you're running, you know, sometimes you're running through guys, you know, just because you want to win. And when you have no hope of winning, you don't go as hard as you need to in, in those physical confrontations, right? It's, it's 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 a mental game right now. And they're right now they're they're you know hoping you know for the season to go, to, to to be over. You know, but it goes back way longer when you know you're just thinking about it ending. I feel for those guys because, you know, football is not a game you want to be winless. You always want to have hope. That's why every year, you know, in training camp, they tell you <laughs> you got a chance to win the Super Bowl. And everybody believes that or you wouldn't go through, you know, a training camp where you're, you're banging heads for three weeks. Right. So it's it's a tough situation for those guys. I feel for them. But, you know, it's 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 an organizational thing for them. Right. So they've got to figure it out. I don't know if Gase is the right guy. We will probably all agree that he's not the right guy. Um, they, they got rid of Greg Williams. That's probably a step in the right direction. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is sitting at home, probably wishing they win a game or two, so he doesn't have to go into that situation. But that's probably that's probably the only savior right now. That's probably the only saving grace right now for Jets fans because they know they have a chance of either uh, Trevor Lawrence or or Justin Fields in the draft. So it's a tough situation, but it, help is on the way.
2: Can you remember a slide when you were with you know in Edmonton or Toronto where you lost three or four in a row, or did you never get into a funk?
7: Yeah, oh, actually in Edmonton, uh, I want to say twenty. 2016 or 17 we we started the season off 6-0 and then we lost seven straight right it was miserable but we always had the belief that because you know in the cfl we were always in the playoff picture right even though we lost seven straight we knew we could turn around just as quickly as, as we've gone into that uh, a hot start but it, it was never a hopeless feeling where you know the jets players are going into games and they know they had no chance of winning. Like, our, our, our slide was, you know, one-score games. Is a bad call here or, or, or a bad penalty here would, you know, cost us a game, and it would just turned out that way. We easily could have been, you know, sick uh, – uh, three and four, or four and three, in that stretch, right? But it was never a, a situation where it was just hopeless. Last time I can remember being hopeless was my high school football team, where I, I think we won one game on the year. But it's high school football, right? It's you know you're out there having fun with your friends. Not everybody's taking it seriously. But when it's your job and, and you're paid to win, you know guys on the Jets, you know this is your livelihoods, right? So it's it's a tough situation for them for sure. But for me, it was never been a situation where it's hopeless like like they have right now.
2: Oh, it has been hopeless uh quickly before we let you go to tay uh, what do you like tonight
7: Cleveland Baltimore oh this is a good one this is this is a measure stick game for Cleveland you No, know, they, they want to show that they're a playoff caliber team and you know, Baltimore is like okay we, we, we want to fight we're gonna give you a fight and I love this game because it's like almost an old school type of game both teams are great at running the ball both teams have great defenses What's going to give? So I'm excited about this game. It's it's almost an old school battle. I want to see Lamar Jackson bounce back, continue as good play. Baker, can he keep it up against two quality opponents? That's what I want to see. So I like Baltimore in this one just because they have more to play for their hunger. They need to get in that playoff picture. They have got an easier schedule and they want to prove that, you know, last year losing the playoffs was 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 a uh, aberration. So I like Baltimore in this one.
2: Yeah, it should be fun. It's nice to have change. Buffalo prime time, Cleveland prime time. It's been a long time. Nate, thanks, buddy. Uh, have a great week. Appreciate it. We'll catch up next week.
7: Thank you, Big Good to talk to you. Perry, see you next week, guys. Talk okay. soon, man.
2: There is Nate, Jay, our Monday morning quarterback, jazzed up about it all. Vic, what do you think tonight?
1: Uh, man, I'm I'm trying to buy as much Cleveland Brown stock because I, I just I love watching this team. They, they play physical, but I kind of agree with the Tay. I just, I'm a little worried for them, right? It's another big moment. Can they rise up and clear another hurdle as an organization, right? It's it's one thing for, to, to look at the playoffs and say like, oh, we can finally make that. But it feels like for, for Baltimore's perspective, it's like, oh, we have to win this because we get to go to the playoffs. That's who we are. If the Cleveland Browns win this, it feels like a step for the whole franchise rather than just 53 players. Well,
2: I I think Cleveland and Buffalo are the same right now, right? Although I take Josh Allen before we take Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. But I do think you're right. It's not just the team and these group of guys. It seems like this is organizational. Like, okay, we have been doormats for a long time. Now we're good enough, and and we're not – like, this isn't a one-off. Like, I think the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers are on a little bit of a one-off right now, and the run they're on, and they've been bracked down to earth. But I just think, okay, Buffalo's going to be here for a while. We're going to talk about him while New England finally goes and slides away and the Jets won't get up there. I think that's the same with Cleveland, too. I'm not as big on Baker Mayfield as I am on Josh Allen, but I, I just do think that Cleveland's built themselves the right way and that he might be their guy to take him. And as much as I love Lamar Jackson, I still think, and you were talking about earlier, when you, when you got to have a quarterback to throw the ball, I'm not just convinced that he's that guy yet.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, like last night felt like a changing of the guard type of yeah. game. I'm not sure we're going to see that tonight from Cleveland. That's the only thing I worry about, right? Is the moment too big and we build these narratives of, all right, can they finally take that step? If they win, then yeah, sure. We'll give them credit. It just, I, I, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to.
2: Well, you know, the changing of the guard happened a lot with Stefan Diggs going, let's get him football. <laughs> you still right. You still need that superstar yeah. to go. Okay, he's going to bail me out. Now is that Jarvis Landry? I don't know who that is. You know, as far as Cleveland is concerned,
1: but, I imagine would be the running backs. But you know, yeah, in, in today's world, like how many running backs do we say change the guard?
2: Yeah, yeah, you, you change the running back. I mean, Derek Henry seems to be the anomaly that okay, no one yeah. can stop him. But, uh, no, that'll be good. It's kind of fun, and, and it, it's great to have the old, you know, let's check the percentages, who's going to be doing what, where do they sit. I'm with you and what's happened to Pittsburgh. I've been riding Pittsburgh for a while. That's fine. I believe in Buffalo, and we didn't even get into it with Nate. It just seems it's kind of like the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. You knew they were good. They were just, okay, when are the playoffs starting? Because we're just yeah. trying to win a Stanley Cup. I get the sense that's what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing.
1: I've been saying this for six weeks on Football Central at noon. Just uh, it, it feels like the Kansas City Chiefs are just bored, right? They know when winning time is. They've won their Super Bowl. They know that they don't need to do anything until January. They're going to make the playoffs. It's fine. They can go into any stadium and win. And they are just waiting, just, just kind of hovering around the rest of this regular season. Everyone be healthy, you know, kind of like a, a tiger or a lion, just waiting to pounce. They're just in that position right now.
2: Well, you're not supposed to be able to flip the switch in pro sports. No one's told Patrick Mahomes that yet,
1: and no one, right? Like, I if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm a little concerned that they get out of this funk. But how often do we see teams turn the ball over four times and the result was never in doubt? Yeah,
2: no, that's exactly it. Like you go, okay, that's foolish, and I don't think the Chiefs have covered in a point spread in about a month. But you think like you guys could have put up fifty if you really wanted to. You're, you're right. Uh, it, as long as they stay healthy, uh, that's the best team simply in the NFL. And you can have everybody nipping at their heels. You can have Aaron Rodgers doing what he can. They can't do that on the defensive side of the ball. And it just seems like the Chiefs is like you know right from Andy Reid down. What was Andy? Didn't Andy Reid throw some sent some ribs over to to Brian Flores uh, the other day? Going hey, congratulations how you're playing. Like they're all just so relaxed. But yeah, no, we're the we're the Chiefs. Anybody's gonna try and play us, they're gonna they're gonna find a win. So we'll see. We always appreciate Nate. We'll look forward to tonight to see how it plays. And by the way, like I don't even know, did, are you in our six fifty? How are you doing in fantasy playoffs? This was fantasy playoffs. Are you in your uh-huh. leagues? Were you winners? Uh,
1: I'm not in the six fifty one. I'm a co-manager of another team in the six fifty pool. Uh, I don't believe we made the playoffs because uh, oh, look, wow. I, I I wasn't part of the draft, so I'm blaming Canberra on everything. Um. Yeah but uh, I was a co-manager in our league. Uh, I'm in one other one, and uh, I think I did pretty well because I had the Rams' defense.
2: Oh, well done. No, I've, uh, I'm have i going down to the wire, but I do believe I have an 80% of winning with, with one more guy to go today, but I didn't play very well. Like I said, I got New York Jets on my team. How I survived, who knows? Uh, you know, sad, sad news over the weekend. We're going to get into it on the other side. Pierre Lacroix was the architect of Joe Sackick's Colorado Avalanche, brought Patrick Walver, was with the Quebec Nordiques, went to Denver, and we all know in Vancouver how good that hockey team was. He was their general manager. He passed over the weekend. We'll go to Colorado. We'll talk about what he did for Mark Crawford, how they won that Stanley Cup, and what the Avalanche are expected to look like as we get set for the hockey season to begin, hopefully next month. That is all ahead. 724 on a rainy Monday morning. You've got it on the starting lineup with Perry Solkowski. Bick Nazar filling in for Zabulski on Sportsnet 650.
0: Now more of the starting lineup with James Zabulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
2: 729. Sabalski away this week big Nazar filling in Perry Solkowski here Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass a reminder that this hour is brought to you by Dunbar lumber the smart alternative visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbuter Street in Vancouver or online at Dunbar lumber thanks for joining us this Monday morning hope you had a good weekend the rain it was it was nice out on Saturday big like there's nothing anyone can really do a whole lot on the weekend I I um, I do believe, um, well, I, I know we went for a little Christmas walk, uh, when it was nice Saturday and I finished the, uh, I finished your producer, Canberra had mentioned along with millions of other, the Queens gambit is a Netflix show to watch. So I got into that and finished
1: her up. Fantastic. Is isn't it?
2: Did you play chess growing up?
1: I was a big chess player. I mean, I had to play all the time. I have a chess Bored and, and set up all the time, but you know I I don't have visitors anymore, so I haven't played a game in forever.
2: That's it, right? I played a lot as a kid, and then my wife has no interest. My wife loved the series. My daughter has no interest. Maybe you and I are gonna have to hook up to play
1: play online chess. I'm here for it.
2: Yeah, no, you you can come up with that. Uh Adrian Dater's going to join us uh momentarily. Uh a longtime uh, writer on the Colorado Avalanche, Colorado Hockey Now is who he writes for now. Pierre Lacroix passed away on the weekend. And you know, I I think we sit here and you know, we look at the the architect of, you know, Brian Burke's on the show every Thursday. So mm. You you know what what did Berkey build that West Coast Express and then you look at at Mike Gillis and maybe this is the time now with Jim Benning but boy for the Colorado Avalanche they were the team to beat and if you win there went in there as a media member and and as I did traveling with the Canucks you just knew you had to be ready and Pierre Lacroix was the mastermind behind all of that uh, and Adrian Dater of the Colorado Hockey now joins us right now Adrian thanks very much for waking up this morning how are you
4: Hey not bad thanks for having me.
2: Um, I know. So you talked to Mark Crawford uh, extensively, did you not yesterday? I did. Yeah. What? What did Crow think? What do you have to say? And I, we saw it in Vancouver and just realized how good Colorado was. Was that Pierre Lacroix not missing a beat and guys that he had to keep in the off season and how he he built that that franchise in Colorado?
4: Well, you know he. Um... He did. He he did build a lot of it. I mean, he uh, he inherited a, a pretty good team from Quebec, but you know they never would have won the cup without the moves Pierre made. Uh, Patrick Waugh being the biggest. Right after the team moved to Denver in December '95, he gets one a uh, just basically one of the biggest uh, you know lopsided trades ever. Um, um, you know, talking to Mark, he was uh, you know very, uh, he looks back on with Favis on his guy with Pierre. It wasn't always a, uh, sea of tranquility with him and the and Pierre. They did sort of leave on, I guess, not greatest terms when he left, uh, the Avs and came over to Vancouver eventually. But, uh, they, uh, they actually had a long conversation of, uh, a few years ago that kind of, Buried all the hatchets and, uh, you know, nothing but mutual respect there. And uh, they both won their first cup together. So there's uh, such great memories from that. And uh, that's mostly what Mark was talking about with me is those those good old r- early days.
1: When I think of the Avs uh, in 2020, Adrian, it, it feels like because they had so much success early on that there's this massive, like, brand power of the Avalanche because, you know, they had that success in year one and it just – it felt like you see that A and you're just like, okay, it's such a great franchise. It, how much of that stems from just their early success of what Pierre built? It feels like they are one of the marquee NHL franchises.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, they uh, <laughs> you know, they just came in here and, you know, everything was very uh, slapdash though in the beginning. I mean, they, they had, you know, boxes of stuff that were – I mean, they literally just had to pick up a bunch of boxes and then go back to Denver. They didn't even have a team name or logo for uh, two or three months after getting here. you know. Um, and then all of a sudden it rolls right out before the season. Uh, they barely got their uniforms done on time. Um, and uh, it looks all great in the aftermath of winning a cup that first year. But, was, uh, you know, there were a lot of hard days as far as marketing and and just who are these guys kind of thing in Denver. Uh it was a it was a success right away, but you know, the first couple of months, you know, again they didn't have Patrick Waugh. They weren't gonna win that cup that year with the goaltending they had probably and um uh, but Pierre, you know, was so quick on his feet when it came to who's out there, who can I get, who can uh who can we, you know, make a deal for to make this team better. He was always trying to do that. He was always had his eye on trades and, and things like that. to And all of a sudden, you know, Patrick Quad wants out of, <laughs> out of Montreal and uh, he acted quicker than everybody else to get him. Uh, he made the package offer real quick and uh, didn't hurt that he probably spoke French either. And he got right on the phone with a Rayjean Aul and made that deal and uh, everything turned after that. I mean, don't, but also he got Claude Lemieux in a trade that was uh, for a disgruntled Wendell Clark that was a big move, but uh, also a huge move. He trades Owen Nolan, who was considered one of the best young forwards in the league, to uh, to San Jose for Santos Oslinch And everybody was kind of around here didn't even know what Sanus what is, you know, who was Sanas Well, he turned out to be the exact kind of defenseman they needed, and and that all three of those things came together, and they. They win the Cup, and they became known as the powerhouse from the next pretty much decade after that, and, and Pierre just kept building. He kept building with other trades. Theo Fleury uh, didn't win a Cup with him, but Ray Bork in 2001, Rob Blake, uh, he always swung the big deals, and that's what people came to expect here, and he leaves behind just a legacy of uh, absolute you know, success. This whole first nine years on the job, he had nine division titles. No NHL and GM has ever done that.
2: Yeah, you're, you're, listen, and and Adrian, none of that was subtle. Like, it's funny when you mention the names, you know, involved even going the other way, a Wendell Clark, a, uh, you know, a, an Owen Nolan guy, like, he wasn't afraid to move the superstars, was he?
4: No. I mean, he also traded uh, Matt Sundin uh, before in Quebec. Yeah. In a blockbuster trade. Um so yeah he was not afraid to take a chance that's for sure he uh he um he loved to talk turkey he loved to talk trade he loved that hot stove kind of atmosphere he uh he liked to be in on the action um he all he always did it very secretly and quietly, unfortunately for us media people um but he was always on the phone with somebody uh rarely saw him without a phone in his hand. Back in those days, when we first covered the team, he was on a landline phone that you could always see him in the press box, uh, way up top. They had a sort of a makeshift luxury suite for him to sit in. You know, it was basically a cardboard room, basically on the top of McNichols Arena, really a few boards stuck together. But, but uh, you know, he always had a phone in his, his ear, and he was always uh, he was always wheeling and dealing. That's how he liked to live life. He he was that way or off the ice too. He liked to.
1: He liked to, you know, buy
4: houses and make deals for all, all kinds of things. So that's the way he was.
1: Joining us now is Adrian Dater from ColoradoHockeyNow.com. I, in regards to the current state of the Colorado Avalanche, I think a lot of people can excuse you know, teams not fulfilling their ambition with the playoff bubble and you know the season getting paused and all that sort of stuff. So in theory, you can say last season maybe ends in disappointment for the Avs. But moving forward, uh, what is laid out for the Avalanche? Is it Stanley Cup or Bust? And that's about it for this upcoming season? Well... Um,
4: if it's not Stanley Cup or Bust, it's at least, you know, get past the second round or, or Bust. You know, they've got to get over that second round hump that they've been, uh, haven't had the last two years now. They've, uh, they've won first round series and things gone into second round with this big head of steam and, uh, and then the injuries crushed them. So injuries are a separate factor, of course. You can never plan for those, but, um, They've got to uh they've gotta take that next step uh past you know, second round. They've gotta get at least to a western final again. They haven't done that since uh two thousand three, I believe. And uh you know, it's seventeen years now. Uh <laughs> that used to be a everyday thing in this team. Back in those LaCroix days. Uh it's been seventeen years and uh they've got the team to do it. They've got everything you'd want, you know. Um Now they got to do it. And that's, that's always the hard part. I I remember talking to Ken Hitchcock, the great coach, you know, he always said uh, it's, it's, it's easy to be a pretty good team. Um, It's really hard to be an excellent team and get to that final four level Stanley cup finals level. And so many teams aren't able to do that. Uh, The avalanche have a young team. They should be able to have a really good shot at it, but, You know, so many things have to fall in place. Well, number one, they've got to stay healthy, which they never do. So somehow they've got to be able to keep their best players on the ice when it matters. Um, And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, they, you know, it's on paper. It's, It's all there.
2: Yeah, and I wonder, this to me isn't a fair comparison, but I'll use it in the sense, Adrian, that, you know, you look at Toronto and how talented they are and how young they are. And they had to go out and realize, you know what, there seems to be a void in leadership, so let's bring a Wayne Simmons, let's bring a Joe Thornton into the room and see if they can help out. I don't sense that's the case um, in Colorado because I do think, you know, with your talent and McKinnon and Landeskog, are they missing leadership? They are young when it comes to their top-end talent, but do you think that's a void in this lineup or not necessarily the case?
4: You know, it's, it's an interesting question. uh. I don't necessarily think that going out and getting in a really old guy who's, um, first of all, Thornton and Simmons have never won Stanley Cups. <laughs> so no. I don't know if that's winning. is. I mean, no, no knock against Thornton, of course, and Simmons. But uh, I don't necessarily think going out and getting the old guy who's you know, good in the room quote unquote, is that big a deal in hockey as much anymore. I don't, I don't, I think it's a young man's game. I think it's uh, speed quickness, all that stuff that matters in the end. Uh, I, I typically, I like big names going to other teams. I like that kind of yeah but I'll be interested to see how Joe Thornton does, but no, I think the avalanche are okay. They, they just, uh, I don't think they need that kind of guy that steps in the room and, Hey boys, you know this is how we win. I, I think they they're a team that's still trying to figure it out, and wants to do it themselves, and not have to be shown by some uh, some old man or something. Uh, but uh, you know they uh, that said you know Gabe Gog is the captain, and he uh, I've sometimes been a little critical of him as far as being uh, you know is he a tough enough leader? Does he get guys in the room to You know, he really, you know, is there a total atmosphere of accountability in the room? Somebody to get in guys' faces? I'm not sure he's always been that type of guy. Um, So we could debate that. But otherwise, I think the abs are, you know, okay when it comes to leadership. And then Nathan, Nathan McKinnon's taking on more of that role every year. So I expect him to be more of that kind of guy as we move forward anyway.
1: Uh, us being in Vancouver, we've always got a, a mindful eye on Bowen Byram, of course, the Vancouver Giants product. Uh, is it a foregone conclusion he'll be on the main roster, or what's his development path?
5: No,
4: I don't think he's going to be on the roster this year because uh, they've got a top six pretty much all set, and uh, it's just not going to work out numbers-wise. Uh, maybe he can do the nine-game deal. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's still got one more year of junior ability. I don't know what the deal is with the WHL just yet. You guys probably know more than me, but I don't think he's going to be playing in the Avalanche this season uh, too much because uh, it's just the room isn't there. Uh, next year, he'll certainly be on the roster and playing, I think, you know a regular shift. I expect him to be the uh, the lefty to Cale McCard's righty for years to come here.
2: Well, you, you kind of wonder what kind of, you know, we're waiting on the rules. Like, can they carry a taxi squad of guys around? And yeah. maybe if that's the case, because yeah. you're right, Adrian. If if, if, yeah, who squad. knows? Right. You don't yeah, have junior hockey. Squad, you don't know what the AHL plays. has to offer.
4: Yeah, maybe he hangs out that way. He's eligible to play in the AHL because of his age.
6: Right? Yeah. Uh,
4: 19 years old. I don't think they allow that still. Uh, he could have so, played in the playoffs for some reason in the AHL. I don't I don't get all the technicalities about the AHL sometimes. I'm uh, bad at numbers and stuff. But uh, I don't believe he's a- eligible to play in the AHL this year because of his age, at least not in the regular season anyway.
2: Yeah, I would think he might be one of those taxi squad guys if we get the details. Hey, Adrian, thanks for this. Appreciate it. ColoradoHockeyNow.com. Okay, we'll look for everything. Thanks for uh, taking a little bit of a trip down memory lane. Appreciate that. Okay, thank you. Uh, Adrian Dater, Pierre Lacroix, the architect of the, uh, Colorado Avalanche. And you know what you think about that? The names pick, we always wait for big trades here and it's a different time now than it was back then. But boy, I love GMs who are wheelers and dealers and Pierre Lacroix was certainly that guy.
1: Need a bit more courage from the GMs. Uh, you know, need a bit more Pierre Lacroix in them to be able to take a bit more risks, uh, and make those trades. We had Corey Hirsch on the program like last week or the week before, and he was talking about that first season with the Avalanche uh, when they were playing, of course, quarter with Vancouver, and they played Colorado. It's like, yeah, that's a a great team, but nobody was really scared of them because it was, uh, the goaltending wasn't really set yet, and everyone was kind of looking forward to playing them in the playoffs, and suddenly it's not just that they got a goalie, it's they got the goalie, and it just, everyone just knew, because like, okay, just right off the Stanley Cup this year, immediately, and sure enough, they go on and win, of course.
2: You can debate the best goalies uh, that have played in the NHL, but I don't know if you can debate the most confident goalie to ever play in the NHL. I would throw Patrick Waugh at the top of that list, man. He was good. He'll tell you he's good, and he made everybody realize they were good, that don't worry, you make a mistake, I will stop you. We'll get into that. Hey, when the NHL comes back next month, it'll look different to you. We'll explain why. That's ahead. 7.45 on a Monday morning. It's the starting lineup on Sportsnet 6.50.
0: This is The Starting Lineup with Gene sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
2: Perry and Bick at 7.50 on a Monday morning. Rain uh, with us most of the day. I wish I could tell you it's going away. If you don't look at the weather, I hate to tell you, the rain's going to stay here. Uh, essentially, it looks like all week long. We've been wrong before. Uh, Mark Spector will join us in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk all things uh, hockey, a little world junior news. Uh, Bick and I right now will break down the MLS Cup. Man, Bic, is it terrible that I, I didn't, like, uh, Saturday, I'm not really MLS Cups tonight? Should I have known I, that?
1: It it snuck up on me. I, I got a lot of friends in <laughs> Seattle, so I knew when they won the semifinal, and I was like, oh, we're, we're already yeah. at the semifinals? And it was a great comeback by them. But, yeah, that uh... – it definitely surprised me.
2: Yeah. I, uh, oh, wow, it's MLS Cup. And then I went and did something else. I go, hey, who won MLS Cup? <laughs> so Columbus wins it. A team that I, you know, were just trying to hang on to stay in the league a while ago. So there you go. The MLS season, which was far from memorable because the Caps weren't even playing here. They were in Portland, came to an end. Columbus, uh, winning the MLS Cup 2020. Um, Hey, when hockey comes back at some point next month, if they can get it going, and they'll have to do something in the next few days, you know, players got to be jumping on planes by Thursday if you want to have that two-week quarantine start camp. It will look a little different because we forget in all this talk about revenue needed and lost that how do you create new streams of revenue? And the one way is to look at what the friends in Europe have been doing and go, hmm, advertising, decals, pants, helmets, jerseys, Well, Elliot Friedman talking in his 31 Thoughts podcast going, yeah, uh, you know, when you see it in January, you're going to see a difference. Hmm. Do we have Elliot's clip? Maybe we don't.
8: And I, think with- and I think the reason they're not going to Jersey ads yet is, A, they want to do it right, and B, I think they want to make sure they know what the market is. Like, it's a weird market now, depressed market. Sure. So I don't think they want to lock into anything that they look at and say, okay, we misread it or we could have done better. So I think they're going to test it with the helmets first. I know somebody who works in the NBA, they told me you know yesterday their team and their They're um, not a hugely popular team, but they have a couple of popular players on it. Like their Jersey patch goes for 5 million. It's money that you can't really turn down. No. Vic,
2: there was a time when there were no nets behind the the goalie nets at NHL arenas and people said, Oh, you can't do it." You realize no, it makes no difference. Now, now no one complains. I don't know. Are we going to have one or two people go? I don't like that. It's money. It doesn't make a difference to me. Deckle them all up like a NASCAR if you want. If that's what helps everybody make money, I don't think anybody has a problem with it.
1: it. It's just things evolve, things change given the circumstances, and you're always looking to generate more revenue. I I know people are going to argue about it. It's like, oh, you got to be traditional. It's like, well, traditions always change. Time were, time was there was no ads on on rink boards and now you don't even notice it to be honest i, I barely even noticed the ads like built into the ice it, yeah they're there and they just exist it, it doesn't take away from your fandom Your it, it won't take away your experience enjoying the sport it's still a puck on ice still 6v6 you're still going to enjoy it it just it's a minor thing that i, I think people get overly worked of worked up over
2: there will be in ten years from now. Someone will find like a two thousand and eleven Canucks jersey. Go, wow, that was a clean jersey. <laughs> they didn't have, you, you didn't have all these sports and cannabis shops on the jersey. No, no. But hey, it's revenue, right? You've got to do it if you can get five. I once heard that Mike Weir, when he won the Masters, was getting five million, just like Elliot said there for a team, just to wear a local on his golf shirt, right? That's money. An independent contractor. That's money. These guys are looking for money as ownership. Players know that if they create more money, that means they don't have to give as much. They're going, yeah, whatever. Let us know.
1: Let Especially us. in this time, like we're yeah. talking about economic realities for players and deferrals and escrow payments and all that sort of stuff. You got to create new revenue, and it, it, a minor badge on a helmet if, if that creates and and you know uncomplicates scenarios for for money discussions moving forward for between the PA and league. I'm all for it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen. Uh, you know what else will happen? The world junior championship, three of the teams arrived last night in Edmonton, all on the same plane, not enough room had to put the luggage in with them. Didn't sound like it was the five-star business class trip that they expected from the international hockey federation, but they're there. We'll get into that story, that tournament and what the Edmonton Oilers will do. They're going to be tough. Are the Canucks tough enough? Mark Speckler will join us on the other side. 755 on the home of hockey, the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650
0: a cup of joe, and the Canuck
8: Commute. And I think the reason they're not going to Jersey ads yet is A, they want to do it right, and B, I think they want to make sure they know what the market is. So I don't think they want to lock into anything that they look at and say, okay, we misread it or we could have done better. So I think they're going to test it with the helmets first.
0: A five-star morning on the starting lineup. You can never know.
2: 802 on this Monday morning, Perry Solikowski, Victor. I hope you had a wonderful weekend, everybody. Thanks for starting your week out with us here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, that was Elliot Friedman just talking about the possibility and it likelihood that we will see ads on helmets and eventually on jerseys um, if we get into it. People testing us and feel free to join the conversation on the Dunbar Lumber text line 650 650. Someone saying, "Hey, put all the advertising you want as long as you lower the ticket prices." I wish it works that way. I'm not so sure it will, but Hey, generate some revenue and you've got to do something, Vic. And uh, we'll see, we'll see if that's the case. I, it'll be very interesting to see a, once the vaccine is in how quickly arenas fill up again, if there's hesitance from the public and do you see anything different? Do we have to go back and kind of start again to, to build that, um, that, economic base that so many people have faced with with what we've been dealing with for the last eight, nine months.
1: Yeah, and there's a difference between full capacity, right, and, and, you know, those those classic playoff moments, you know, everyone's singing along to the anthem or something like that, Mm -hmm. and how many people can you get in to break even for the NHL. And I think a lot of owners are probably looking at it in that realm right now. Okay. What capacity do I need? And we've heard that number be around, you know, 33, 40%. If you can get that many people, okay. Economically we can break even and give ourselves that base to start experiencing growth uh, for five, six, seven years and, and, you know, recoup what they've lost in in this past 12 months. So in the initial, yeah, it's going to be tough and, I'm curious to see, you know, when that vaccine comes in, what the rollout plan is for fans to get into the building. Because I can't imagine they're going to go from zero to full capacity right away.
2: No, not going to happen in that sense. Uh, Jimmy wondering, as long as the advertising logo isn't as big as the team logo, like soccer jerseys, he's okay with it.
1: We should mention okay, Soccer soccer jerseys look tasteful to me. Yeah. Oh, It doesn't bother me at all on soccer jerseys. I'm just like looking at some jerseys in my closet right now, just old Manchester United jerseys. I can pick out the the logo or the you know the team sponsor, and it, it's it's like a ta- a time capsule to me. It's like, all right, that's the ninety seven United season, that's the O two season. If done well, it can be done uh, quite tastefully.
2: It depends what it is. I remember I was doing a game in Philadelphia, uh, traveling with the Whitecaps, and I had to go like, what is Bimbo, uh, which is a bread company, and that and that was that was the logo. I think it still is on the Philadelphia. Uh Union's jersey. So no, it, it can be done the right way. I should mention this. I think in the Canucks, Mark Spector is going to join us momentarily. We should say that this is likely the last time we have to talk about Nikolai Goldobin on this station because he's been talked about for two and a half years, just released from his KHL team. There's not many places to go. He's got rid of his agent out of this league, goes to the KHL. Doesn't work there. We're not going to follow him when he goes to a Swiss league or the Austrian league. So we'll leave it at that. Goldie let go in the KHL. guy who would never be let go from anywhere is Mark Spector, and he joins us on what I will just assume is a crisp and cool and lovely Edmonton morning.
5: Speck, how are you? Oh, pretty good, Perry and Beck. It's a beautiful day. I noticed that this morning, and I wondered. Uh, I saw where where Cheska had let Goldobin go, and uh, it didn't say where he was going, so uh, that's never good news. It's, it kind of reminds me of Yakupov out here. He kind of went from Edmonton to... You know, Colorado, to the KHL, to another KHL team. I don't even know where he is now But he's moved three or four times. And all those people who said that there was a great player there. Like, I remember hearing people talk about Goldobin. Oh, boy, this guy's good, and the Canucks are misusing him. Uh, I wonder where those voices are today, huh? Was well, no one, a... Sorry, it, it just,
1: no one ever doubted the skill. Sorry, Perry. No one ever doubted the skill. It just shows how hard it is to be consistent and great in the NHL.
5: Yeah, you got to play like there's more to the game than skill. We we fall for this all the time. I'm guilty, too. We all are. We see these flashy, skilled guys, and we go, oh, my God, put him on the first line. (laughs) You know, play him next to Bennett Peterson right now and play him next to McDavid. And he's not getting a chance because he's on the third line. He's not being furnished with talented players, you know, the Triamkins of the world and all these guys. I mean, we've seen them, hundreds of them. Robbie Shrimp. I mean I could go on and on. Linus uh, you have to Yeah sorry? Minus Omar. Linus Omar. Linus Omark. You know, there's every every franchise has that guy. Every guy every franchise's fans have championed some guy who only doesn't figure out one thing. Like what do you do when you don't have the puck in your stick? You still have to mm-hmm. do certain things. Everybody doesn't have to be Bob Gainey here. But you can't just be on your own agenda, and guys like Goloba never figured it out, Yakupov never figured it out, Trapp never figured it out none of those guys figured it out, and where are they now? None of them are in the NHL, that's for sure
2: Yeah, I mean, talent gets you so far, and then you gotta you You, you can't be scoring all those goals in junior and then go, yeah, well, that's what I'll do in the NHL it doesn't happen that way. It's a team game, Speck, right? It's,
5: it's a team game.
2: Yeah uh, Speaking of which, you're gonna have some talented junior players in your city, they apparently have arrived. But did you hear the story, spec? And we're getting up early about the fact that the Finns and the Russians sounds like a joke. Finns, Russians, and Swedes all were on the same plane, and it was so overcrowded, apparently they had to put some of the luggage inside the cabin?
5: Yeah, that was really uh, very questionable, what was going on there. I'm going to say, I haven't, I read the story yesterday, I haven't asked found the definitive answer whether this, I assume this is an IIHF, certainly sanctioned, even if Hockey Canada was sort of in charge of it, the IHF would have had to give it their blessing. So mm-hmm. one of those two organizations are both. Listen, we all know that every traveling party with a hockey team, if there's 25 players, is traveling party is close to 40. So there's three mm-hmm. teams, that's 120 guys. We all know how much luggage every hockey team comes with. I mean, it's a definitive, you know, right down to the piece, the traveling luggage count of the vancouver canucks is x every year and so to not be prepared and send a big enough plane for the three teams is you know especially at a time guys remember there's planes sitting on tarmacs all over the world that aren't flying Mm -hmm. right air travel's way down so don't tell me i couldn't find a plane there wasn't a big enough plane available this this at first blush without having done the commensurate research looks like someone trying to save a few bucks. Uh not a smart idea, particularly packing people into a plane during COVID. That's probably not the best way to start the out a tournament, is it?
2: Well, I completely agree. Which brings me to the point I was making all last week. And I guess I, I go down because it's going to happen because I was going, you know what? The numbers in Alberta, the numbers right around the world. This is a numbers game, the World Juniors, so we can feel some pockets of Hockey Canada and and for respective um, federations around the world. I didn't think they should be playing. They're there. I guess it's kind of like, hey, you're home safe if you can get to that bubble. Are you surprised they're playing spec, or did you think that nah, they would push this through? Uh,
5: I'm and I I'm not surprised that they're playing. No, because hockey, uh, you know, it's about money, right? And the IHF has a lot of financial commitments that, that hinge on the world junior, just to give the, you know, the listener sort of an idea. Let's, let's break this back down to hockey Canada. We can all understand this part. Hockey Canada gets a huge number from TSN every year. Um, And that, that, you know, it, sure. It includes things like the Royal bank cup and the women's world championships and the men's world championships, but it's, it, it, the linchpin is the world junior. They got to play that world junior or I don't know this for sure, but I'm betting TSN is going to want a little money back. Hockey Canada sells huge advertising packages to some of their, like to their top tier guys. I'm talking Tim Hortons, Esso, Nike, uh, you know, the real big, big sponsors that hinges on having a world junior with all those eyeballs on it. So we're doing this really, because we're trying to satisfy a lot of monetary commitments. The IHF gets money from Finland, from Sweden, from Germany to televise these games. So I'm not surprised they're playing, Perry, because we know that sport's all about money.
1: Is It uh, it, it feels like, unfortunately, the players are the... Uh, I'm trying not to say victims, Bombs? but it, it feels like the, it, it feels Bombs. like they're getting leveraged very hard. In this scenario, because you know these are kids, what what is their benefit to play outside of just some exposure?
5: Well, listen, they don't have to play for one. Like they don't have to play. So I'll you know I will say no one's forcing these kids to play. Um, but I get it, you know. Or I guess the, to rephrase your question, Becker, are, are we exploiting right these yeah. young u twenties because to make this money that I'm just referencing? I mean, I suppose. But again, more so than have... ever,
1: like I, I understand it in normal times, but more so than ever with this pandemic, we're talking about flights here and we're having a serious conversation of should these guys be on flights, but it feels like more so than ever they're getting leveraged and exploited.
5: Well, you know what? Um, geez, I, I mean, you can look at it that way if you want. I would say to you that, a, you know, again, I'll repeat it. They don't have to play. No one's forcing mm-hmm. these kids to play. It's a it's a decision that they and their parents are making to allow them to participate in this thing so that's the first thing the next thing is you know for many 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 years a trip to the world juniors has has done a lot of put a lot of money in a lot of kids pockets i give you yessie pull right who's sure. who's had a world junior that got him drafted fourth overall that probably he shouldn't have gone and he's you know there's millions of dollars in that for him so i guess i'll look at it both ways but sure maybe you know, let's look at it like this, guys. This is Canada. You know, the, the 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 storyteller side of this thing is this is the first step back to normalcy for a country that loves its hockey, right? People in Vancouver, people across the country, we we've become so accustomed to spending our Christmas with the World Junior In a year where nothing's the same, we're finally going to get something that we can call a tradition, that we remember that's going to hopefully go off the way it always went off. Once they start playing, we don't care that Sweden left four or five guys behind. We don't care if some of the Canadian guys aren't there. We just want to watch the uniform and cheer for the Red Maple Leaf. So, you know, that's the, the narrative that you'd want out there if you're Hockey Canada. We're bringing you back some normalcy here. Is it going to be you know, it, I'll tell you what, if people get sick and, uh, or worse, uh, they're going to regret making that decision. But if it comes off clean, we'll look back at this thing as the first step back into a, a hockey winter. It'll be playing the NHL hockey in January. And uh, Bob's your uncle, right?
2: Yeah. No, as, as one Western hockey executive told me, uh, I think they'll play. I'm not sure they should, but I understand it. And, uh, you're, you're right, Speck. It'll be the launching pad. And, and hopefully safety is first. And and we saw what happened in Red Deer with Team Canada. But if everyone can get to that bubble, we saw the success it proved in the summertime for the NHL players and they're doing the exact same thing. Hopefully it counts that way. Um let's switch gears a little bit. Our poll question today is derived off Jim Benning speaking over the weekend post media and talking about toughness, and will they have enough team toughness? Because he goes, listen, Kachuk for nine nights, Cassian for nine or ten nights, there are some agitators that the Canucks will have to get used to and have to be ready and all likely open. you're back-to-back. Well, we we might see a few more fisticuffs than normal. Um, do you think because of the scheduling, because of the rivalries and the heat that will be generated, we'll see a little more old-school hockey,
5: if you will, than we normally would in an 82-game season? That's a good question, and I hope so. You know, I think there's a few things here. You know, familiarity, right? Did the old, like, let's. How long has it been since the Flames and Canucks played eight times? I mean, what year are we going back to, Perry? You know, and yeah. whatever that year was, I can tell you that it was a lot more violent time in hockey. They did a lot more fighting. The familiarity bred, you know, scraps between between Hunter and Ojic or whoever was playing back then. Uh, but the games changed so much, you know. The games changed so much. So I can tell you this: um, you know, certainly here in Alberta, guys like Keith Kachuk, uh, who play a lot. He's not. It, it's not like the old days where you know, God bless Gino Ojek, but he, you know, he would sometimes played in the first line, but he wasn't a first line player, <laughs> right? Matt Kachuk mm-hmm. is the best player on Calgary's team, maybe, right? Probably, and he stirs the pot, man. He gets her going. And that's the difference here. If you're the Vancouver Canucks gone are the days when you have some guy hanging at the end of the bench, you can't play, but he can fight that guy's not going to help you today. But you know, Edmonton's coming in with Zach Cassian, who is, I'm not sure he's a first line player either, but he may well end up on Carmen McDavid's right wing. Uh, Kachuk is a first line player. He's going to come in and stir things up. So, you know what? If 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 you let Cassian do whatever he wants all night, that's probably not going to work for you, right? Nope. Kachuk yeah. gives you no chance. Kachuk gives you no chance, but to respond because he does something crazy and makes everybody have to respond. So I guess you might need a few of those players more so this year than before. It's a good question.
1: What are you uh, looking forward to the most out of this uh,
5: potential all Canadian division? I think just that. Like, let's take a run back at. Let, Uh, I'll take, I'll take a, you know, let's say I'm, I'm sitting here in Edmonton. Uh, I'll take a fifth, sixth and seventh game against the Canucks, maybe eighth all day long against a game against Arizona, then a trip up to Minnesota. You know, I like seeing those teams. I want to watch the players. I want to see what they got, but why not? I don't mind. I don't mind playing. Let's see this, how your poll question unfolds. You know, I'll tell you this, the Battle of Alberta is good now. Like last year, it was a lot of fun, and if Calgary Vancouver gets that rivalry back because they're good teams, you know Vancouver's a much better team uh, now. Edmonton's, you know, they got their issues, but they're a pretty good team. The Calgary's got their issues; they're a pretty good team. I think there's going to be it's going to be fun. They're battling for points. They're good teams. They're fun to watch. I like watching Vancouver play because they're exciting, and if they get a little emotional and some stuff happens, guys, well, you know what? I'm not going to complain about that, are you?
2: No, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, before we let you go, you're in a city where the GM job has kind of been a revolving door. Uh, we lost Pierre Lacroix over the weekend. Boy, you know, we, we just had a conversation with Adrian Dater. He kind of forgot, spec. Man, Lacroix was a wheeler and dealer with some big names. Eh? He wasn't scared to be to, to be shipping guys out back in a time when you
5: could. No, it was true. And and he. I think what he always understood in Denver was, If he had a winner, he could afford to act like a winner in that, you know, those were the days it was pre-cap hockey. So you could trade Mm -hmm. away your draft picks every year and bring in, you know, the bring in superstars at the deadline, like the Leafs unsuccessfully did for so long. And as long as he had a good team, he was filling that barn. They were making enough money and they could recycle it, do it again next year because they had the money to do it. The minute that team in Colorado wasn't winning, they weren't earning either. You know, the crowds went right down. So he knew a sexy move when it came time to make it. And he, he preyed on the Canadians, right, when he made that Patrick Watt trade and yeah. got the right guy who brought the right swagger. Uh and, you know, they would win cups in Colorado. So listen, we all are, we're all defined, especially in that business, by our trophy case. <laughs> you know, I shouldn't say we, they are and uh he had his cups and he made a championship team brought in ray bork right at the right time at the end and give him credit he was a damn good gm i didn't know him real well personally because i'll tell you this he wasn't a great didn't hang around the media a whole lot but i respect him uh as a general manager and people say he was a hell of a guy and I'll, i'll buy that
2: Thanks, Beck. Uh, appreciate it. Um, enjoy some hockey you're going to get in your city, and then uh, you know we'll round it up. I would imagine in the middle of January if everything goes the right way. Yeah, Merry
5: uh, guys, and to the listeners out there. And uh, I can't say I'm not looking forward to watching the puck drop drop somewhere. Aren't you guys?
2: Yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, you can go. You can go to an outdoor rink there, can't you? And play a little shinny? Is that available oh, I
5: there can, in Edmonton? Sure. <laughs> oh, 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 you think? <laughs> the outdoor <laughs> rinks are going strong here, boys.
2: <laughs> thanks pal stay safe happy holidays to you all right you too uh there is uh mark Spector from Sportsnet covers the oilers all things as the world juniors are set to go 8:20. you know we missed her last week she was off on holidays but she's back now <laughs> as we go to the news 11:30 newsroom sonia the
1: budger
9: <laughs> that is right someone called me a budger it was. It wasn't fun. Spectre
1: was budging on your time slot here.
9: Yeah. Right. Yeah. What up with that? Yeah. No. Someone
2: called you out at a grocery store. or somewhere. you budged in front okay, of someone. Excuse Is that me. I wasn't called
9: weekend? out. This person was just upset that they claimed they claimed allegations that I had cut in front of the line. <laughs> so this person. Allegations. <laughs> so this person. <laughs> Said, you know, they were very, um it felt calm at first, you know, like, thanks for budging. You budged like you don't even care. And it's like, and it was just like the mumbling right behind me. I kind of turned and was like, huh, what? And then this person, this man said, you know, you budged. And I said, oh, okay, I'm sorry, go right ahead. And they said, "Thanks a lot, budger." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> boy, to... that escalated quickly." It did. It very much did. Yeah. So, uh, happy holidays, everyone. Try to be nice to people at the store. Also, I didn't budge. Also, this isn't grade four. Use a better word. Well,
1: it, it, it's worse in 2020 because you, you know we have to stay six feet away in lineup. So, if you budge, it's it's very obvious. It's not like the old days. It's just like sneak in, hide into a crowd. If you if you budge, it's very obvious
9: yeah but i didn't so i don't know what you're talking
1: about is and this
2: I, a store you frequent regularly like could there be another episode of the budger
9: uh i hope so yeah it is it, it is sounds like a oh, oh. It does. It does. And that's you're looking for confrontation <laughs> no i'm oh, not man. yeah me out there all five feet of me looking for a fight that's right yeah that makes sense yeah no i hope i hope i see the budger again can really you can do part two of this episode
2: I would love if someone's listening because, oh, my God, that's me. She's
0: talking about, I was the one who called that girl the budget. Great. Text Uh, text in to the the Dunbar Lumber text
9: line. Um, Okay. So I just broke a story a couple minutes ago. Big White in Kelowna, we have a positive test. There was a big party Uh with staff members held uh, about two weeks ago. And so testing has been underway since Friday. And testing is going to continue all day today. I just got off the phone with Big White. And I also called uh, Interior Health. And they're like, huh, what? So uh, they're going to get back to me with some details, but uh, testing, yeah, it's been underway since Friday. Uh, And this party allegedly was, uh, I think, November 28th is what they said. And about 25 people gathered. And these are people who live uh, in Big White or at Big White. Uh, They work on the mountain, but they don't work for the actual ski resort, in this case, so mountain operations are continuing. The season itself right now is not being threatened, but they're trying to do about 80 tests today. They've did dozens on Friday, and we're waiting to get back some results. You just completely it just broke.
1: This holiday season, obviously.
9: Oh, oh you're like, what are you doing having a party? How stupid what? are you?
2: Right? Like, yeah. what is
9: this? What is this? Yeah, like, I now mean, you've it, just... Is the air
2: thin up there? Was it the top? Like, how do you come up with something like that? Man, uh, well, good on you to break the story. But you, you would think some people go, okay, I'll go skiing. It'll be okay. Let's assume that maybe these people are dealing with the public. And I can yeah. understand everyone's bored and if you're up on the mound. But come on, people Oh, my use gosh. Your head. I'm
9: bored, but I'm not having parties. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, no, don't do that. So the party was two weeks ago and we're just now getting that one positive positive. and all it takes is one positive that can infect like a hundred other people. So like, come on, you guys, I'm eye rolling over here because what are you doing? And this was exactly yeah. what, Perry, we talked about a couple of weeks ago was people hear the word BC and vaccine and they're like, oh, well, it's coming and let's just hang out. And you're like, no, 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 you have to keep following the rules. That doesn't change. So complacency. Yeah, it's
2: almost like we think the finish line is here. Okay, let's just flip the calendar. And you go, no, nothing is changing in January,
0: February.
9: No, this is the beginning of this, but this is still nine months in the works. Like, BC, the vaccines arrived on Canadian soil late last night. They're being uh, distributed in Ontario and Quebec today because those are the hardest hit provinces. BC is going to get about 4,000 vaccines this week. And, um, but this is only 4,000. And that's only for certain people right now. We won't have vaccines widely available to everyone until September of 2021. Like, we have a long way to go. So, breaking the rules and messing around like this, we're just gonna see case numbers spike again. What are you doing? Like, I
2: just. Be smarter.
9: Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Hey,
2: Balak, do you have the Law and Order theme? No,
9: we need a new theme song. No, no,
2: Balak, no, hit it with this. Balak, hit the Law and Order. (laughs)
9: He's panicking yeah. in front of me.
2: He's <laughs>
6: panicking. Oh my god, party? he's
9: crying, you guys. He's so scared
6: because <laughs> he's not listening.
9: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: That's Sonia the Budger Aslam.
9: I, I'll take Budger rules. over somber Sonia.
2: I don't. Yeah, you know what? I don't mind. Are like Budge, right? Like this is how nicknames are born in sports. Something has to happen when you go. Why do they call you Budge or Budger? Uh, you know, once on social media, guy Budge. I like it.
1: Yeah. We got uh, a couple okay. of texts to our 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Yeah. Uh, the budger always claims ignorance. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I, I'm wow. just reading your version of the story. I think we need the other person. Okay. The side of the I
9: story. feel attacked. Uh, oh, I'm just
2: kidding. No. Gary's saying I'll take a budger over party girl all day long. Yeah, there right? You there
9: you go. I'm responsible. And you know what? Let's be really clear. Budger or no budger. I let this person in front of me and I apologized. Oh, I'm sorry if that happened. Go right ahead. So, really, it- I come on.
2: There are good budgers and bad budgers, and Nielsen, you're a good budger.
9: I'm a good budger, and I don't party like this during COVID. All right. It's true. We're over budger time. Oh, we are. All right. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Aslam. Take care.
2: Sonia Aslam, uh, all the news, News 1130, as she said, just breaking a story. Man, uh, a big party up at Big White a couple of weeks ago. Smarter people. You got to be smarter than that. Uh, We're up against it right here. Back with some P.S., We'll give you some details and the best deal over the weekend. If we're talking about a dozen, I'd budget line for this. That's ahead on the home of hockey, Sportsnet
0: 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
2: 8:32 on this uh, Monday morning. Thanks for joining us on the starting lineup, uh, Perry Selkowski, Bick Nazar, getting it uh, going to start the week off. After a uh, exciting week of NFL, there's never a bad. Bic, there's never a bad week of NFL football, is there? Like even if it's bad, oh, I disagree. it was fun, right?
1: I, I suppose even on bad weekends, if you win your fantasy league, if you win your your, your bets, that's still a good weekend. So you can still have fun every Sunday.
2: That's exactly like there's probably you want to change the results. I would have changed the results of a couple games, but I still okay. I'm okay. It's exhausting though sometimes. I go to bed at nine o'clock at night. Oh so my like, gosh. I've been through the roller coaster of emotions. That is Sunday football. Hey, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh someone been texting in on the Dunbar uh, Lumber text line six fifty six fifty. If you want to join the conversation, a uh, Brayton Hopey was in the news on the weekend for a mask that he has. Um essentially, the story is this. This is not Holpe's game warm mask. This is his backup mask. And while he was in Washington, he reached out to the gentleman who's been doing his mask over in Sweden for the last decade or so, said, let's do something to celebrate uh, the fact I'm on the West Coast. What's different? Uh, He came up with some native artwork of the Thunderbird and revealed it on Instagram. And there were several people saying, you know what, uh, that's not right. Again, inappropriating the uh, native art, should have had a local artist involved, uh, disrespect. Uh, Braden Holpe very quickly unaware that that's how it would be taken. He just wanted to, again, showcase where he was playing. Uh, went on social media, Bic. He apologized for it and said, hey, I, I you know what, didn't understand. Never any intent on my part. Um I think a lot of people will be waiting to see this mask. It's it's not his first mask. He's got another one already done um in different colors, but hey, mistakes can be made. We're in a cancel culture where a lot of people jumped on the newest member of the Canucks and he was the last guy to go, "Hey man, I had no idea. So now I've learned. I'll apologize." I would imagine he'll reach out and say, "Hey, I still want a mask like that, but let's go through the appropriate channels." To me, break a whole lot of um not going to say nothing. Because it is important for those. But mistakes are made in life, right? And it's how you respond to them.
1: Yeah, I never looked at this and I thought malicious intent, right? No. There's insensitive, and I think it's... At times, it gets taken too far to say, oh, he's done something racist. I just It was insensitive, right? We all, we all have blind spots on things that we don't recognize. This was one for Braden Holpe. It's like, okay, I misstepped here. How do I go about correcting this? And how can I start reconciling what I've done? And, and he's taking that step. And that's, that's education. And that's showing some reform. And that's showing the ability to you know, have that empathy of, okay, I did miss this. How do I go ahead and rectify the situation? I feel like he's do, he's done that.
2: Yeah, and some people are going, oh, he, you know, he shouldn't have to go that far. Listen, it's if, if you're the one offended, yeah, everybody's opinion is respected, and it's it's not easy for us to say. Really, you're you're gonna draw that analogy? No, it's for the community that was involved. They said, no, oh, this wasn't the right way to go about it. He listened, which is what we all need to do to make things better. Uh, we want to listen to the poll question, Bick. We are looking for some toughness. Do you think we'll have it? Jim Benning talking about casting? We heard Mark Spector, uh, uh, Matthew Kachuk, what they're going to see an awful lot in this Canadian division. And we wonder if the Canucks are tough enough. What do the people think?
1: Do the Canucks have the requisite team toughness? Asking you on the Bird app, twitter.com. Log on and uh, cast your vote. Yes, is sitting at 44.9%. But the no's have it at 55.1%. Don't believe they got the toughness. Heading into this all Canadian division.
2: You know where they may be getting it from, surprisingly. Over the weekend. Holglander got into scrapped.
1: That's uh that's <laughs> exciting. Right. And, and and he's shown he's shown that element before, like I, you know, perhaps kind of a mean streak. He's elbowed a couple of guys here and there. Uh but that was good to see, you know, willing to throw down at the end of a game and just says, uh, you know, he felt like he took a late hit. Stands up for himself. Right? He- that, to me, is toughness in 2020. Are you willing to stand up for yourself?
2: Well, you know what? And I think Pet- you know, is going to get into a scrap at, at some point. He's not afraid. I think you have to. Hoglander, you just you just know that this guy's got all his bags packed. He'll play again on Thursday. He's waiting for that phone call to say when he's jumping on a plane. But the plan is now he'll play what he expects will be his finest game in the Swedish League on Thursday. But, you know, last week he scores that beauty. Coach calls him out, and oh, he's got to do something. Now he gets into – it's almost like he's going, what do I got left to do here before I leave? Okay, great goal there through the legs, made people look silly, got into a scrap. Okay, I know the checklist looks pretty good. So uh, Nils Holglender, we'll play feisty, Pud Colson, will play feisty. Will they be guys who are prospects that don't show up and get the job done, as we talked about with God Dolben, uh, is finished in the KHL, or will they fulfill their promise? I think the latter for these two coming.
1: By the uh, way, if you're Travis Green, you're loving that clip. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, okay, that's that sort of compete level I want to see, and – as as exciting as some of the highlight real goals that he's he's scored are, s- some of the plays he's making to get to the net, that's the stuff that I look at. And it's like, oh man, he's 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 fighting through contact, he's getting there. That's the stuff that's exciting to me.
2: They're doing it against men, right? I mean, you, yeah. you 28, 29 year olds. It's not like it's a it's a bunch of teenagers that they're going up against. We'll see that with Pod Colson at the World Juniors, but no, they who knows if he didn't scrap some 28-year-old to go in. And that, that took a lot of guts. So now you're right, Travis Green's probably. Oh, that's funny. Good for him. Uh, That is not any BS. That was PS. That's the real deal. Let's get into more of that
0: right now. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Perry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want BS. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski.
2: Sometimes the line is blurred, PS, BS, what is it? You watched the football game in Seattle yesterday, you saw the final score, you thought it was a laugher, you thought it was a Seahawks win. Ah, no, think again, have
0: a listen. Alright, let's look at this logically, okay? okay? Okay! Okay, only a really bad team would only score three points in a football game, and the Jets are the greatest team ever. So something's not adding up here. You see, the whole house of cards collapses. Long story short, the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. That's a promise. Place your bets now, people.
2: Oh, thank you, New York Jets, for only scoring three. So that Saturday Night Live skit worked even better. They did a big spoof on Jets fans and the election going on. We've got, we've got 50 million signatures that say the Jets are perfect this year. That they haven't lost. Fact is, uh, it's not BS, Bic. Man, that's an awful football team. As bad as I've seen in a decade in an NFL uniform.
1: You love to see life imitating art. That's so funny that they scored three points literally the day after. But yeah, they are so bad. Put them in the conversation with the Lions and the Browns. and It feels like we're seeing 0-16 teams with more frequency now.
2: Well, yeah, they've got the Rams, they've got the Browns. They got the Patriots on the last day of the season. You wonder if they can find their win. At this point, you root for them to be terrible and put up the goose egg. Hey, P.S., now Brady Lehman is an Olympic champion, and he needs some help.
6: Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone.
2: Help! Such is the obscurity that our Olympic athletes toil in. Lehman won a gold medal in ski cross in 2018 and he went to social media uh, looking for an opportunity for corporate canada said a great ambassador looking for a brand equal parts global visibility and national pride humble hard-working olympian man you're a gold medalist in canada and ski cross and times are tough all over the country and those who are going to take the hit are olympic athletes we're going to have some getting to Tokyo for or Beijing rather for the summer Tokyo for the summertime Beijing in two years but there's Brady Lehman Vic going hey man you want a head sponsor there you want to put something on my headband I could use the money it's going to be tough to find right now for some of these athletes
1: I might have to uh, check my couch cushion and see if I can get my name on there right that'd just be good branding for me at big 60 just just right there for my oh. Twitter handle that'd be great I could get a thousand new followers out of that
2: I'm telling you right now, let's let's get all of us together and see what we can do. So he's rocking support at 650 stuff. Hey, at P.S., if the shoe fits, wear it. But if you stop a guy on third down, don't throw it. I heard an official announce throwing a player's shoe. Well, it and it wasn't 11. 11. It was Marco Wilson.
1: Right, it was three. And Marco Wilson's got to know better than if, that. If he's there's a no reason guy. to do it.
6: I, I, I saw a cleat going through
1: the fog.
2: Yeah, Florida was a big, big favorite over LSU in college football on Saturday night. And they started terribly, but they got back. And they were on even terms. They needed the ball back after a big third down stop, which you heard. Player lost to shoe from LSU. He was tackled. Shoe was lost. So what does the Florida Gator do? He picks it up, and he absolutely chucks that thing 25 yards downfield going, Yeah, we stopped you. We're getting the ball back. You're not beating us. 15-yard penalty. Drive continue. LSU kicks a go-ahead field goal. Florida can't tie if they missed theirs late. Throwing a shoes, costing that school a nice big bowl appearance, likely not in the championship playoffs. Man, how does that kid live that down?
1: It's tough. But I, you know, I don't see any difference between this and, like, knocking the goalie stick away from a goalie in, in, in the NHL, right? You try to keep your competitive advantage. You can't play with one cleat, so uh,
2: yeah. You
1: know, t- t- try to win where you can. Bill Belichick yeah. would applaud it. It's like
2: he's always a yeah, yeah, the emotions of it all, though. You feel bad for a kid who's going to be walking around campus and everyone, oh, man, you did that. Uh, hey, P.S., when something is so good, you just can't do it once.
0: You're crazy. You're good because you fell, you fat kid. Have another donut. Have another donut.
2: I will, I don't mind. I'll have another donut or 12. We always find you all the facts, all the culture goods. I found this on Saturday because it was the 12th day of the 12th month. Krispy Kreme decided to give away 12 donuts for $1. How good is that? $1 gets you 12 Krispy Kremes. They did it Saturday. It was so popular. They said, you know what? Why don't we try this again on Sunday? I know it doesn't work out the 13th and the 12th, but that's okay. So they did it again. Lucky 13, 12 for one. Bic, 12 donuts in front of you right now as we near the end of the show. How many over under? I would say is six.
1: Oh, take the over. I, I could really? probably do, I could probably do eight in a sitting. It wouldn't be pretty to watch, but I could probably do eight in a sitting if I really competed. Nine.
2: Those Krispy creams are kind of like uh, um, cotton candy. Like you don't have to chew that hard on the Krispy Kreme. That's like there's exactly some Donuts you got to work at. Krispy Kreme though, those they, they've got a meltability to them.
1: They're they're made for efficiency.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and, it and it.
1: thirteen is not thirteen? The bakers doesn't is not why they do that. Yeah. So yeah. there
2: you go. Acres doesn't. There you go. Not uh, not just P.S., everybody. Some BS in there, too. Love the Jets. Hey, 844. Uh, we'll wrap things up. Scotty Rintoul ahead. On a rainy Monday morning, let's hope it stops, but I look at the weather forecast. They say it will continue for a while. You'll keep your spirits up right here on the Home Hockey Sportsnet 650.
0: This is The Starting Lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
2: 849, Scotty Rintoul-Schul is up next. Uh, Bick and Perry with you uh, all week long here as we wrap some things up. Hey, Bick, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, Soccer Canada coming up and uh, supporting a couple of young people from Greater Vancouver as uh, Jordan Heidemey and Afonso Davis have been the uh, A couple for a while. I might have been involved in their first date in an event where Alfonso brought her a Whitecaps event. I got, really? All the people to bring, you bring the one teenage soccer player that's getting more hype than you. Uh, But you you know what happens. You you post it on Instagram, and as is the case, uh, there is a lot of... um, Some terrible things said to them uh, racially about them, and they just uh, sent pictures of each other back. And that's... You know what? We've got a lot of really smart youth from this country and they are two of them that people are people and and good on them uh to handle it in the situation that they did over the weekend
1: they are shining examples taking the high road i, I will say and uh, yes good on soccer canada but like we're at a stage where it requires more than statements yeah. right and, and that's what i'm looking at moving forward it, it's like you just said it there. It's like oh you know what happens it's like it's, it's sad that we know what happens
2: yeah yeah, it is. But I mean, look at look at what happened at the Champions League last week. Right. I, I love yep. that you can talk the talk, but for 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 the game and the players to walk out because they're going, really, that's how you're referring to us. So, you know, and you're exactly right, because statements are something that they handled problems with 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's put out a statement. No, uh, you need to be acting. And there's a lot of athletes that are just going, this is how we'll handle it. If you're not going to treat us appropriately, um, you know, the actions that we saw in the pitch. And for the, these two young Canadians just to go, well, you know, say what you want about us. That's not going to change our way. So
1: we're um, still going to be us.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. And, and listen, that's all you want. That's all we got to teach people. It doesn't just just be yourself and be kind to people. And you're fine. So, um, and, and by the
1: way, it's great that you brought up the Champions League match because, like, historic moment, all that sort of stuff. But it felt normal, right? It felt like, oh yeah, you shouldn't do this. And both teams supported walking off the pitch, and that it felt totally normal. Let's come back tomorrow and play it again. It's no big deal, and it felt normal. And that's how it should be moving forward. If you if you're gonna do something, prepare for the consequences, and players are gonna walk out on you.
2: I wonder this, Vic. It did feel normal, but it you, you did wonder. You know, you didn't have 60,000 people there. So, unfortunately, Fair, yeah, if you do true. the math, and if you've got 60,000 people there, unfortunately, as we see by social media comments to Jordan Alfonso, you might get, uh, you know, 25,000 of them going, are you kidding me? Just play the stupid game. And it might even get worse. So, I do think the situation of no one there, they look at each other as competitors and go, you know what? We're, we're going to, you know, we've been, we've been talking the talk. Now we're literally going to walk the walk.
1: Now but, I do wonder though, if, if that sets the precedent, right? We saw with Landon yeah. Donovan's team, we see this yeah. here. Now, if moving forward, somebody finally did it, right? Someone walked out of a champions league match. Think how massive that is. If from now on, everyone just says they've done it before. We can do it now. Even if there's sixty thousand fans in, in the building.
2: Oh, no, I, I hope you're right. I, I hope now they don't think, okay, well, we can't do this. No. We've done it before, and it doesn't matter if there's fans in there. We'll let the business part of it. They can figure it out with TV stations and sponsorship and all that and when we can play again. But we are not playing under these kind of circumstances, and you're right that you need to have everybody step up and do exactly that. So, uh, you know, one of the things that happened over the weekend and the two of them coming up and, and certainly uh, taking the high road and not going to change um, exactly who they are. Um, well, now you know what, pal. We're done, so you can get those Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, they'd be twenty-four hours old. I don't know how many wolf down, but uh, you know, you worked up an appetite over the last three hours.
1: No, I got to stay fresh. Uh, getting ready for noon, uh, yeah. myself and Sat Shaw with uh, Football Central.
2: It doesn't. What do you, What should I be doing tonight with that Baltimore Cleveland game?
1: Uh, avoiding it, I think. It's, it, it, I if don't. you're looking to make a pick, it's, you know, sometimes you just got to avoid it.
2: Yeah, but I can't. Uh, I'll, I'll do something. I'm All right, really to, quickly here. Okay, uh,
1: hang on. Uh, let me just bring up the line here because I think I last saw it. It was at two points for the Ravens. If you're going to make – oh, it's at three now. If you're going to make a pick, it's going to be the Browns. I'm probably yeah. on the Browns now, actually. Now that's at three.
2: And t- just just so you can tell, Sat, that I'll, I'll take the Browns. I'll ride with you. <laughs> there we today. go. Nice job, Bick. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Scotty Rintel-Scholl is next. Have a great day on Sports on 650.